get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. This is the Ribs and BK Podcast on 101 ESPN. read the release we did mention that you know we're going to look to do some additional ads to our Springfield camp so over the next couple days we'll look at at seeing what's out there and and hopefully we can uh, find some some positives down there as well but look right now my focus isn't so much on 28 as it is like just getting back and with Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario I'm Brandon Kylie it is so good so good to be back this morning. Thank you all so very much for tuning in today. That was John Mosellock talking yesterday about the Cardinals and how they are turning their attention to the field away from everything that has happened over the course of the last week or so. I had my own situation similar to the Cardinals over the last few days. I had a potential scare with COVID. I got my test results back last night, late last night. I am COVID free. Thank God almighty. I am COVID free. So back here on the show today and Jamie, I want to talk about the Cardinals as it pertains to them on the field, not off the field anymore. Let's actually turn our attention to what they are going to be whenever they return. Because right now you've got Yadier Molina, Paul DeYoung, Edmundo Sosa, Junior Fernandez, Carlos Martinez, and Cody Whitley all on the IL. That was the news yesterday. Corresponding move, Brad Miller activated from the injured list. Henesis Cabrera, Alex Reyes expected to be called up. That now leaves one more spot to be filled for the Cardinals. One more. The bullpen should be good. You've got all of your reinforcements there. The rotation should be somebody that is internal right now. Gomber, KK, we'll get into that conversation later on. Jamie, if you were in the Cardinals situation, how do you handle this moving forward with that one more spot that you've got on your 28-man roster? Wow, yeah. Um, look, I, I just think that I know where you're headed with this. <laughs> I think a lot of people are probably wondering if if we're going to see Dylan Carlson. Okay, I, I personally, I'm going to stand on this hill, continue to stand on this hill and say that I I don't think it's time for him. You have your full outfield, and I understand that with Matt Carpenter going over to the third base, like you mentioned in the crossover with Danny Mack, that leaves a DH spot available. I just don't know if right now is the time for Dylan Carlson. I know there's arguments to be made uh, otherwise, but you know I think the Cardinals right now, I, I don't know who that player is for that final spot. I think that you look at the roster and you try to address maybe what you think is your weakest spot because of these guys that are being out for COVID. But uh, I think, and I might be crazy, I think John Mosellock is going to continue to wait on ringing that bell and bringing D- Dylan Carlson up. Yeah, it's not going to happen. <laughs> I, I, I know you want it, BK. You were texting us yesterday. You want it. 
the reason it's not happening is because there's three names still. It's Tyler O'Neill, it's Harrison Bader, and it's Lane Thomas. If there was a player that was placed on the IL in the outfield, then I think it was a no-brainer. But right now, it, it's not going to happen. I think from the Cardinals' perspective, they, they got all of these players still that they can figure out. And on your 40-man roster, you have a Max Schrock that you can look at. You can look at this Alhuris Montero, who's a third baseman. I think from the Cardinals' perspective, it's either going to be an extra pitcher to help out with the load of not having two starters, or it's going to be another infielder because without... Uh, Tommy Edmond, or I'm sorry, not without Tommy Edmond, without Paul DeYoung and without a couple of these other guys, you have to have somebody to jump into those spots. I have a quick question because I'm confused. I know that's hard to believe, okay? I'm confused about something. Who could have seen this coming at 11.05? Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Where did Ravello go? Like, he was on the list of... Ferrario's boy. Yeah, so this... He'll be back. I have a point, okay? Is he on the COVID list? Because now he's gone. No, well, he wasn't. He was placed on the injured list, but then he wasn't, if that makes sense. So he was the one that came out and said he had COVID, but according to Mazalok yesterday, he wasn't put on the injured list because they were waiting to see what was going to happen with him. Okay, so he's just in the so, Bermuda Triangle. So he basically. could be that last roster spot possibly later today, but if he's unfit to play, then he won't be, and then I would imagine he'd be put on that 10-day IL. Okay, here's my reasoning behind that, is going back to your original question, BK, uh, for Dylan Carlson in the DH role, if Ravello is available and he's not unfit to play, he would be a guy that I'd like to continue to experiment in that DH spot. Okay. Can we think about this for a second? Depends. We are really saying that right now you would rather see Ron Hell Ravello or Brad Miller in the lineup every day than Dylan Carlson. We aren't saying no, we that. We are not saying that. We are saying that. Don't as, try to sewer us. We are saying that as the Cardinals. Yeah. If I'm the Cardinals, yeah, he's up here already. This is crazy. It is like if we're just doing and I understand what you guys are saying. You're putting on your your mobo tie and you're saying it, it's not what I would want to see. It's mm-hmm. what I think will happen. I, I get the distinction, but it's either this is service time manipulation or we're talking crazy right here. It might be both because this is pro. <laughs> it's progress stoppers. That's what we're talking about here. No, Brad Miller, no, no. You're wrong there. I Brad don't think Miller it is. is not a future asset for the Cardinals. He's 30 years old. Why do you hate Brad Miller? BK? He's a perfectly adequate bench bat. He's, he's had one guy. good year in his major league career. Otherwise, he's been a major league. Oh, and really, he had a few good months. He had a few, he had a few nice months with the Phillies. And that's pretty much it for his career. John Mazalek said he could be the Ben Zobris to this Cardinals team. That's ridiculous. I mean, I don't know why you hate him. And Ron Hell Ravello, God bless him. He's no Dylan Carlson. Well, now you're taking shots at my guy. Well, he plays first base. That's true. So what are we really trying to accomplish with this? If we're just trying to tread the water for the next week or two, okay, whatever. But if we're trying to win some baseball games, and I've been told that that is supposed to be the mantra here in St. Louis then it should be Dylan Carlson. 
because he's the best baseball player that can get into your everyday lineup right now. I think he makes you better defensively, which is a huge problem that we're going to get into in a little while today because DeYoung and Yachty being out really hurts you defensively as much as it does offensively. So he's in the outfield, right? Mm -hmm. Who's he replacing that he's so much better defensively? From every scouting report, it sounds like he's very good in the corner and he would be better than Tyler O'Neill. See, I hear different. Yeah, but they're not going to they're not going to take Tyler O'Neill out because He's Tyler not, O'Neill's one, been their best hitter. Out. And that, what I'm saying is you put Tyler O'Neill at DH, so he gives you what he's been previously, and you upgrade defensively in left field. What about putting if we're going to let's let's play this game with BK okay. for a minute, okay? Let's let's say that Dylan Carlson comes up and we talked to Nate Lucas yesterday mm-hmm. on the show and he's the uh, sports uh, the play-by-play, play-by-play for, play Springfield. for the Springfield mm-hmm. Cardinals. He went out and said, I expect to see Dylan Carlson in right field. He flat out said yeah. it. He said, I expect to Eventually, see. probably, but not so, right now with Fowler. Okay, but if that's the case, why wouldn't you just put him in right field and then put Fowler as the DH? Because Fowler's your right fielder. I know. Like I, but I, I, I'm, yeah, I guess but, my point is Tyler O'Neill is playing well, and from what I hear from people that have seen him play at the minor league level and even so far this year, he's pretty good defensively. He's yeah. fine. He's, he's better fine. than Fowler. So you're not, I mean, you're not going to put Fowler in the outfield defensively. If you're putting Carlson in, you're not putting Fowler over O'Neill because O'Neill's better defensively Correct. and he's better offensively. I mean, if we're for talking you. defense, like you're saying, BK, if you're like, we got to upgrade the D. I'm all in favor of it, yeah. but I'm, I'm also thinking from the Cardinals' perspective. Like, I, I think it's possible that Tyler O'Neill's future is as a DH. I think that's absolutely in play. And I got no issue with that if that ends up being where they utilize him moving forward. But Dylan Carlson's future is as one of your corner outfielders, whether it's right or left field. I don't much care right now. Get him out there somewhere. But we got this text from the 314 65780 is the air comfort service text line. BK this season really means nothing. They don't want to start Dylan Carlson's clock for another year. Probably won't see him until the call ups at the end of the season if they have them they don't this season is basically something for the fans to watch if that is the way that the cardinals view it that's fine but that's different than what we have been expecting i view this as a season that the cardinals really want to win if they're just seeing it as a hey this is a this is a fake season we are not doing anything that is towards the world series we're not trying to win a world series championship this season okay whatever I don't know. I don't think it's that, but I think it's we're going to try and win a World Series with the roster that we have right now because we want to know what this roster is. Because all these names we're talking about, the one we haven't even mentioned is Lane Thomas. Lane Thomas is going to get a long extended shot before Dylan Carlson gets that shot. I think shot. he gets the center field situation. I think that was coming. Whether yeah. oh, with yeah, I agree. Yeah, but I just don't Bader in center field. Yeah, I, I just yeah, don't know if Schultz going to pull Fowler or O'Neill out of everyday corner for Dylan Carlson. I just think that's a mistake, and maybe I'm wrong. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line. If you'd like to get involved from the six three six BK with another terrible take, <laughs> I, I just disagree. Like we were all so excited about Dylan Carlson, but he's not even on the forty man roster yet. They've got a spot open. They've they got do one have the spot, spot available remember we said right 39 now. That's right, Ravello. yesterday. So if you've if you've we're got, not sure where he is. 
you've got 39 men right now on the 40-man roster, you can put him on there, and it doesn't really do much. You don't have to take somebody else off. They've got the ability to do that right now if they want to. Yeah. And this gets back to the heart of the conversation that we've been having here. You guys don't think they want to. And I tend to agree, and that's what's so frustrating to me is, okay, when is the time to bring Dylan Carlson up? 30 games in when they know that there's no future for Tyler O'Neill, Harrison Bader and Orlane Thomas. When, yeah. when two of those three have shown to the Cardinals that they are nothing for this team moving forward, that's when Dylan gets the call. But I've seen I, that a lot in, yeah. in hockey. They basically let you run right out of road until there's nothing left. And then they're like, you know what? We've given you everything. It's time to move on. Yep. So why not Carlson a DH then? Like if you want if that is the case and they just want to see what they can get from Tyler O'Neill and Lane Thomas and Harrison Bader in the outfield, they want to cycle those three into the outfield. Okay, I can at least listen to that argument, right? I understand what that logic is. I'm having a really hard time understanding the Brad Miller, Ron Hell Ravello over Dylan Carlson at DH discussion. See, I think that's Carpenter still. I, honestly, I think he's playing third. I think Miller? Tommy Edmonds, your third baseman, who's playing short. I think Brad Miller. Oh, I, oh, wow. I think, wow. Well, well, I think those two he could, just hit us in the gut. I, right? I think those two could be interchangeable. I think wow. you can put either of those two at any of those two positions until they are back with Paul DeYoung. I think Carpenter's still your DH. Interesting. I, interesting take. I I wouldn't put Brad Miller as my shortstop. I just I think that's Tommy Edmonds' job right now. I think you see what you've got with Tommy Edmonds at shortstop to see, uh, frankly, if he can be that utility infielder moving forward. You know he can play second. You know he can play third. Can he give you a consistent bat at shortstop every day? Can he play there defensively? I think they want to find that out. I I. If they end up playing Brad Miller at short, though, that does change the entire discussion because then Matt Carpenter's your DH and there is no spot right now for yep. Dylan Carlson. It's nice that you're coming around to accepting it. Well, and the other one we haven't even talked about, too, is Justin Williams. Nate told us yesterday Justin Williams is a power hitter. And he was the one that was acquired in that Tommy Pham trade. So that's another player. Before you even get to Dylan Carlson, what the hell is Justin Williams for us if you're if you're the Cardinals? I'm so sick of having guys that are in front of Dylan Carlson. <laughs> Dylan Carlson is your future. He, he will be. Future. He should be he right will now. Be. Future. Remember, 30 games. <laughs> 30 games, my ass. Watch. He's Jamie Rivers. That's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. The Blues depth took a hit with Barbashev coming back to St. Louis. Who's going to replace him and how much does this hurt them going into this matchup against the Golden Knights? We'll talk about that coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Just his physicality and his penalty killing, his grinding, you know, that that line, that line in general, I think, you know, like they got real good chemistry and they did a great job for us last year and this year at times when I put them together. Um, you know, I, some lines just have that chemistry and they just go get the job done on both ends of the ice. But, you know, Barbie's one of our most physical players. Uh, he's, he's a good penalty killer and we use him in that role. That was Blues head coach Craig Berube talking about what it's going to be like to not have 
Ivan Barbashev as he returned to St. Louis for the birth of his child. Once he returns to Edmonton after the birth of his child, he's going to have to quarantine for at least four days when he does return. And Jamie, I wanted to get you and Ferrario's take on this of just how much this is going to change what the Blues are trying to accomplish, especially over the next two games, because likely he's going to miss these and then we'll see moving forward when he's able to return. But how much do you think this changes what that fourth line is, the makeup of it in the physicality that we saw from him? He had seven hits in that last round robin game. What are you anticipating this impact is going to have on the Blues without Ivan Barbashev? Well, from the physicality standpoint, I don't see a drop off. If you play Mackenzie McEachern for as much time as you do Ivan Barbashev in a game, you're going to get as many hits out of that guy. And he's at, he's foot speed alone. He's faster than Barbie as well. So he gets in on the four check. And right now, the Blues are desperately needing that four check. They're desperately needing somebody to get in there and pressure puck. So I think from that standpoint, he's going to be a great fit. He's very responsible defensively. He'll block shots, covers all those bases. Now, where he falls short is Barbashev's a double-digits goal scorer in the NHL. He had a, gr- a great regular season. He had a fantastic pl- playoff last year. You're going to miss some of that productivity and maybe – Overall, that might affect that line because with Sonny and Steiner and Barbie, they pitched in with some pretty big goals last year in the playoffs. And it's because all three of them are actually very, very gifted offensively. Their roles don't don't let them play that way on a regular basis. But all three of those guys can score goals. They can create offense. Mackenzie McEachern, no disrespect to the player. He's more of a straight up and down winger, smash everything in sight, chip the puck in and go get it. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering if that will, if that will alter the chemistry of that fourth line. Uh, but you know what? He's played with those guys before. It's not like the first time he's going to be introduced to Sonny and Steiner as line mates. And, you know, we'll see how much he plays. He has killed penalties in the past. Will he see that role in the playoffs to be determined, or rather in the round robin, mm-hmm. like I said, to be determined? But uh, overall, Craig Bruby's very confident in this young man. He really is. And I think he's going to give him a lot of leash to get out there and get comfortable and find his legs because we know that the way things are going – There could be injuries. It could be anything that happens, and you're going to need a guy that has had his feet wet and that you're confident in. Well, in in, in terms of the hit, you're 100% on it, Ribs. You're not going to see a difference in that. I mean, Barbashev had seven hits in that last game against Colorado. You're going to see McEachern be close to that on a consistent basis. We had a Zoom conference call with Steen before that game against Colorado, and the word he used about McEachern was predictability. And I think that's the most important thing when it comes to that fourth line. Steen, Sunquist, and Barbashev work so well together because they're all predictable. Steen said, when you dump a puck in, you know Barbashev's going for it, so Sonny and Steen can get to the open area. That's what McEachern is. McEachern is a north-south style player where you'll dump the puck in on the right side, and Joey talked about this with me last night. Steen and Sunquist know that, hey, we're going to throw this puck in the corner. McEachern's going to get it, so we're going the opposite direction to open up some space. So the predictability factor is going to be good there. I'm interested in McEachern, though, guys, because he's a, he's a sneaky good shooter. Like, I don't think people understand being on the fourth line this guy has a shot to him it's kind of like what pat maroon was for the blues like people only look at him as a power forward ribs and i don't know if the skills there you'd know that better Patty than i maroon would is one of the most skilled hockey players right. i've ever seen i'm, I'm just saying no, no, no. i you agree give that guy a puck he can stick handle in a phone booth but i think people look at mccachran and say he's just a power forward on the fourth line but he's got a shot to him that i think much like what barbashev can he can sneak one past a goaltender but i don't think you're going to miss a beat with that fourth line 
So that is our opinion. Let's hear what Craig Berube had to say about McEachern and how he fits into that fourth line. Here's what he had to say about that yesterday. Uh, fine. It's a lot like it looked during the season when we <laughs> used Mac on that line, uh, whether it was with uh, Barbashev and Sunquist or, you know, different, different people. But uh, Mac, like I said, he's a big guy, can really get up and down the ice with his feet. Uh, bangs bodies and plays a pretty simple game. So, um, you know, he's an effective guy. We use him this year, and he's done a real good job for us. One thing that is a positive, if you're going through the silver linings of this, is first of all, McEachern has seen plenty of time this year. He played in 50 games this season already. The other thing is they knew this was coming. So unlike whether it be a positive test or if it was an injury that popped up at this point, the Blues had practiced this way. They practiced when they were in training camp in phase three here in St. Louis, and they talked ad nauseum about, hey, listen, we got to prepare for what is coming. And what is coming is Ivan Barbashev is going to have to return to St. Louis eventually for the birth of his child. They didn't know exactly when that would take place, but they had a pretty good idea that it was, first of all, going to happen, and that it would happen around this time. So McEachern had plenty of time in that training camp time to be able to get reacclimated with that fourth line. So I don't think we're going to see a massive drop off, for, uh, off from this, Jamie, but I will be interested to see what that fourth line looks like specifically to, uh, tomorrow night against the Golden Knights. It'll be great. I really I think it will be. You know, the, the Golden Knights, they have uh, a lot of skilled players. But they also have a black and blue squad as well. And what I mean by that is the Ryan Reeves. And That's a great name. You know, they play yeah. that style too, much like the St. Louis Blues. And so that's going to fit right into Mackenzie McEachern's way of playing. And I think that will help him get his feet wet, like in a hurry. The first time he screams down the ice and puts a guy through the boards, welcome to the playoffs, basically. And Mackenzie McEachern, now after that, he's going to have to watch his, his back as Ryan <laughs> Reeves is patrolling around out there. But I do think it'll be a great game for him to get introduced to all of this process here, this, this tournament and then playoffs mm-hmm. uh, in the bubble. But, yeah, I, I think it's perfect. I think it sets up just great for the St. Louis Blues. I, 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 I'm maybe putting a guess out here, but I feel like I'm, it's worth going out on a limb. Barbashev's not going to be gone long. No. You, you said you got the four-day quarantine. He's got to get four consecutive negative tests to get back on the ice. I would imagine the day his baby is born, he's going to spend that day with him. He's going to come back, and he's going to get back in the lineup. And I'm saying this now. He will be the player to watch in that first game back. Rivs, you know this better than anybody. There is something to new baby energy in a hockey player. I, I remember when Vladdy Tarasenko had his, his uh, most recent child he came back and scored two freaking goals in that hockey game. Watch Barbashev when he comes back because he will be a man on a mission on that fourth line. Mike well, Trout just last night hit a homer after his baby was born. It's a real thing. What happens, and for people who don't have kids, what happens is you give a whole new perspective in life, right? Like you're looking at it and go, wait a minute, I can't really complain about going to the rink or I can't not give 100% because I have something that's way bigger than me counting on me to do my job. And so you're riding yeah. this this high of emotions, and you see guys, they just turn it up, man. Mm-hmm. It's like they're playing for a bigger purpose, which obviously they are. Joey told a great story last night. When, now I don't want to spoil it, so when we get him on tomorrow, you guys have to ask him about that new baby energy because he even pointed out, like, when I came back, I was a different man on the ice. 
Blues versus Golden Knights pregame tomorrow night with Alex Ferrario right here on 101 ESPN. We'll begin at 430. We'll have the puck, puck drop for you at 530, all on your home for the St. Louis Blues, 101 ESPN. What could Dylan Carlson bring to the Cardinals if he was going to be called up? And what can we expect from Andrew Kisner is if he gets the everyday at-bats as the catcher moving forward? Kyle Glazer is a national MLB prospect writer for Baseball America. He's going to join us to describe the young guys coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With former Blue superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Let's go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Happy to be joined by the national MLB prospects writer for Baseball America. He is Kyle Glazer. You can follow him on Twitter at Kyle A. Glazer, G-L-A-S-E-R. Kyle, we appreciate the time, my man. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today. Let's start with this. The Cardinals are in a precarious situation right now, and it looks like they potentially are going to have to shifts to Andrew Kisner as their everyday catcher for Cardinals fans that haven't seen much of him. What should they expect from Kisner if he ends up getting that everyday role? Sure. So Kisner, obviously Cardinals fans got a little bit of a taste of last year with his major league debut. He can really hit. That's been his calling card. He was a third baseman initially at North Carolina State, moved back behind the plate at every level throughout the minors. And no matter what position he's played, he's hit. So that's something that the Cardinals fans should definitely you know, expect to see. Obviously, there's adjustment periods with young players, and he might not come out of the gates blazing. But, you know, the more playing time he gets, uh, a lot of people think he can be a very, very good hitter. Defensively, he's been progressing. Obviously, he's not at Yadier Molina's level. Very, very few are. Um, that's kind of been the question with him is, is the receiving and the defense going to be enough to really be that of an above-average everyday catcher in the major leagues? Uh, he improved his flexibility this offseason. He's getting more experienced. I mentioned he's only been catching for a couple of years. So the learning curve is is, is progressing. Um, but, but if nothing else, Cardinals fans should expect to see someone who can legitimately hit. What do you think he needs to work on defensively? Like if I'm a Cardinals fan and I'm watching him as he gets this extended opportunity, potentially, what should they be looking for that will show that sign of progress from what you haven't seen previously to where he needs to get to? Sure. So his receiving and his blocking are two things that have been brought up by scouts over the years and even Cardinals front office officials. Um, again, just seeing him, you know, frame pitches better, you know, not cost pitcher strikes, which again, just comes with time and repetitions and then blocking uh, in the past. He's had some trouble kind of controlling his blocks. So again, if you're seeing him get down his blocks, keep the ball in front of him, uh, you know, keep pitches on the edges of the strike zone and get those calls. That's really going to be, you know, the main indicators that, Hey, he's, he's improved. Kyle, I'd be silly here not to bring up a guy named Dylan Carlson. My my co-host here, my buddy BK, is ready to put him in the Hall of Fame already. <laughs> um, but, you know, obviously the Cardinals probably taking a slow play approach to this. At least that's my prediction. How ready, though, in your opinion, is Dylan Carlson to come up at this point and to, I guess, make an impact to where it would be worth sacrificing, you know, some of that service time? Sure. You know, it's tough to say without being able to watch him at the alternate site camp and seeing how he looks. I will say the last time we saw him at the end of last year, and he obviously had a tremendous year, 
he was really, really good, but he'd only had 18 games above the double-A level. And to say that anyone is ready with that few plate appearances at triple-A facing guys who've been in the major leagues, who know how to get hitters out, it's tough to state definitively, oh, he would have been 100% ready. And again, without seeing him right now at the alternate side camp, it's tough to be definitive. I will say this is a kid who's rapidly adjusted to every level he's been thrown at while often being the youngest player on the field. Um, so whether he comes up, you know, in this wave of transactions today or a few weeks from now, I think it's reasonable based on the track record to have some confidence that he'll figure it out and figure it out relatively quickly. So, Kyle, you talk about these satellite camps, and and we talked a little bit about this uh, earlier this week on the show, but, you know, I guess the big question I have is, how is this affecting guys' development? And maybe a bigger question is, how is it affecting the way the GMs and baseball operations are viewing these guys' development? Do they feel like it's slowing them down, or do you think they're still pleased with where things are headed? There's still a lot of people that, that are happy with, you know, how this is has unfolded just because you're seeing guys in kind of unique situations. You're seeing in some cases, you know, guys you like who are in A-ball facing pitchers like in AAA, and all of a sudden that guy in A-ball is holding his own, not just for, you know, a couple of days, but over, you know, two, three, four weeks. That tells you something about that kid. So I think from the perspective of seeing some of your younger level guys, how they can hang with the older level upper level guys you have at the alternate site camp that is one wrinkle to this that a lot of gms and farm directors have been happy about it it gives them that direct comparison we're talking with kyle glazer he's the national mlb prospect writer for baseball america joining us here on 101 espn kyle i wanted to go back to dylan carlson because it seems like if he were to come up to the bigs it it would potentially either be left field or DH that he would be getting his everyday opportunities. If you were the Cardinals and you were about to bring him up, let's say you were in that position. What do you think makes more sense right now to acclimate him to the major league level, playing him in left field every day and getting him in on defense or playing him at the DH? You want him in the outfield every day. He's a really, really good defender, particularly in the corners. He can hold his own in center. Um, you know, a young guy like this, you want to keep him on the field, keep him as engaged in every play as you can. You know, if the only spot for him is the DH spot, you know, again, depending on how the rest of the lineup is hitting, but you want to try and avoid that if you can. Um, you really want to get this guy in the field, both for what he can give, can give you defensively, as well as, like I said, just keeping him engaged and focused. You know, being a DH is, is hard. You you have to get ramped up for one at bat, and then you sit for two or three innings and get your energy levels back up. It, it's something a lot of veterans struggle with, and it's not really what you want to introduce someone to their first taste of the big leagues. Kyle, I know a lot of people in your position hate when I ask questions like this, but you know how we are. Do you have a player comparison for the style of player that we're going to see with Dylan Carlson? Yeah, you know, kind of a better version of Andre Ethier. And then Ethier, you'll remember, in his prime was a multiple-time all-star hitting 30 home runs in the middle of the order for a perennial playoff contender when he was with the Dodgers in his prime. I mean, Carlson has a chance to, to be that, but for a longer stretch of time and, and, again, probably be even a little bit better. He's just a very, very gifted hitter. He's growing into power. He's a good athlete who can run and really play the corners in the outfield. Um, you know, a middle-of-the-order type who, who helps it as one of your team leaders when you're contending for, you know, division titles and, and you're in NLCSs and possibly World Series. That's a really good player. 
Last question that I've got for you is we're talking with Kyle Glazer of Baseball America here on 101 ESPN, a pitcher that has received a lot of attention here in Cardinals camp 2.0. And then that has been talked about a little bit of potentially getting a shot now is Johan Oviedo. Kyle, for any of our listeners that don't know much about him, what can you tell them about Johan Oviedo and what to expect out of the big kid? Big, big boy. He's you know six six, uh, pushing two fifty, I think at last measure, um, and he he can really bring it. You know, when he came up, he's kind of long and lanky and didn't have control of his limbs yet. Uh, when I say he's when I when he signed with the Cardinals, I should say, um, but we've seen him really just hone in on his delivery, continue to get stronger. The stuff has really, really grown. I mean, he's up to you know ninety seven, ninety eight now. He's starting to show some consistency consistency with the secondaries. This is a power arm. Um, he. Has has struggled with his control in general, as we see with a lot of young, tall pitchers. So there's a couple people who aren't sure if he's going to throw enough strikes over the course of you know six or seven innings to really start. But he's trending in the right direction. I think you could definitely bring this guy up as a power arm this year, potentially in the bullpen, see if he can make a difference there. And then long-term try and maybe transition into the rotation, as we've seen the Cardinals successfully do with a lot of young pitching prospects over the years. He's Kyle Glazer of Baseball America joining us here on 101 ESPN. Kyle, we always appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Anytime. You got it. That's Kyle Glazer joining us here on Ribs and BK. He brought up the comparison. I wanted to ask him, hey, who can Dylan Carlson be in the future, Jamie? And he brought up Andre Ethier. And I know you you looked at me, you're like, Huh? Andre. What's that mean? It's my boy. Is Andre the Giant. <laughs> yeah, it's my boy, Andre Dawson. <laughs> Jamie looked over at me like, is that a good thing, a bad thing? What, what does this mean? <laughs> I'm like, thumbs up, thumbs down. Where are we going with that? <laughs> <laughs> so to give you a little context on what Andre Ethier is as a player, he was consistently around a 300 batting average. He gave you a similar on-base percentage to what Dexter Fowler gives you in terms of that 360 or so on base. And every year he was hitting about 30 to 40 doubles with 20 to 30 home runs. In other words, yeah, that's a good thing, Jamie. That's a really good thing. You just said something about comparing him to Dexter Fowler. That's I true. said the on-base percentage I, is similar I, to Dexter I, Fowler. You heard is, it too, right, Alex? I heard it, and the first thing I thought of was, boy, that's a uh, that's a far cry from when John Mozeliak said that's Albert Pujols asked, right? <laughs> yeah. How do we, we go from, from Pujols to Ethier and Fowler? Fowler. Let I'm me like, give you another wait a minute. Way. Let me give you another way of saying this. Please do. Uh, <laughs> he might be a 5 tool player. That can do a little bit of everything. Really good defensively, hits for average, gets on base, and hits for a little bit of power. Oh, by the way, also gives you a few stolen bases every season. Oh, there you go. So, is that a little better? Just don't use Fowler's name in this situation. Fowler, and I I had a panic attack. Just a quick one. That was the thing that lost you for, right? Yeah. So, here's why I wanted to bring that up. Because he also, Kyle Glazer, and we really do appreciate his time today, he also brought up the fact that, listen, this is a guy in Dylan Carlson that has only had 18 games above the double-A level, and you never know how that's going to translate to the bigs. And, Jamie, I know that's something that you've been big on. Hey, you don't you don't want to bring this guy up before he's ready, because if he is truly your future, you want to make sure that he's prepared for what is about to come his way. I understand that. But from everything we've heard from the Cardinals, they have said all along at every opportunity that they can. This is a kid that mentally is there. He's ready for it. He's mature enough right now to handle the big leagues. And he has adjusted incredibly quickly at every level that he's been jumping to. So I think he's ready. 
And it just comes down to if you listen to the Cardinals and you kind of read between the lines, it seems like they also think he's ready. But there's something holding them back. And my question would be, is it the money that's holding them back and the Super 2 status? Or is it really that they want to find out what Brad Miller and Ron Hell Ravello are going to bring to the table? I, Which one of those two you things You watch your it? tone when you talk it, about my guy. <laughs> Listen, BK, I see what you're doing there. But really, it's not that comparative. It's not saying I want to see what these guys can do as opposed to Dylan Carlson. It's I, I don't think that's that's exactly exactly what they're doing. I think what they're trying to establish is like Kyle said, you know, he he's had very few at bats. He's been good, but he's had very few, so there's only a sample size to go on, and I think it's a combination of everything to do with that. He hasn't had a lot of at bats. You want to see what you have already in the outfield. You maybe want to see if Miller and Ravella what they do have, even though it's not like blue chip superstar status, you still got to kind of see what's going on. And I think John Mosaic too wants to see how all this plays out. Like the Cardinals just went through a, a COVID episode. The Marlins have gone through it. I'd be pumping the brakes. I'd be like, you know what? Let's just wait a second. Let's see how this plays out over the next couple of weeks to a month and then maybe go there. I, again, I stand firm on in and around 30 games. We'll see Dylan Carlson. 65780 is the air comfort service text line from the 314. Just say that Carlson's floor is Ray Lankford. That would obviously be an upgrade for the Cardinals. <laughs> Ray Lankford is a pretty good comparison. The difference, of course, is that Ray Langford early in his career was a 40 steals guy. I don't think that's what we're going to see from Dylan Carlson. I'd rather have a player that's a little bit better, BK, than to go the other way like you did. Sure. (laughs) In fact, I liked Pujols better than Fowler. Yeah, of course. I would like Pujols as well. (laughs) One of the best decades of a career in the history of baseball. Yes, I would sign up for that tomorrow. (laughs) I think Ray Langford, from a hitting perspective, is probably pretty accurate. Uh, The thing that I would push back on a little bit there, from the scouting reports that we've seen, listen, I I'm not a Dylan Carlson expert by any stretch. Uh, the stolen bases getting to 40 in year one or two seems like it would be a little bit <laughs> of a so stretch. Picky. You're just so picky. What's wrong with you? Questions and answers is coming up next. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Plus, we got to get into this coffee situation. That's all coming up on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. Let's start with this one from the 314, and it's so great to be back. How many times do I need to say that? How can BK host a grilling show when he has no idea how to grill, how to start the grill, or how to do anything manly at all? It's a great text. It's a great point, It's a great text. Well, guys, this week we are grilling at home with... Me! I was the host of Grilling at Home. Check out the video, 101ESPN.com. You can see me and my buddy Ryan. We made our homemade meatball sub sandwich. But did you grill? You've got to watch the video to find out. I hate teasing. 101ESPN.com is the place where you find it. It is all courtesy of Budweiser, the ultimate grilling companion this summer. Stock up today and by Schnooks. Get everything you need for backyard summer grilling at Schnooks. That's where I went for my grilling video again you can find that at 101espn.com have you guys ever seen that kissing the video yet all i heard was budweiser i don't watch videos of you sorry buddy i have actually watched it i've watched your video there's a big reveal 
put it that way. There's a twist. Yeah. A plot twist, we we'll call I, it. And I love me some meatball subs, so it was an awesome video. There you go. 65780 is the air comfort service text line from the 636. Guys, are the Cardinals just screwed out of the postseason because of these COVID issues? Well, no, because, what, 16 freaking teams get in? Yeah, and like, <laughs> we're just, like, hopefully, hopefully Major League Baseball, um, this is the last outbreak. The fact that they're really not changing a whole heck of a lot uh, makes me wonder how many teams will go through this. So, look at I think that uh, at the end of the day, especially with expanded playoffs, uh, I think that, yeah, I think the Cardinals have a great chance of making the playoffs. What they do from there will depend on, you know, how guys uh, evolve throughout the season, how guys stay healthy, how guys get back to healthy. But, yeah, I think the Cardinals have just as good a shot as anybody to make the playoffs. I don't know if screwed is the right word because it's a little aggressive, but they're in trouble. (laughs) Depending on how long Paul DeYoung's not going to be there, guys, you don't have a four-hole hitter. You literally have one bat now. What about your boy Ravello? Well, we don't know. He's living in this purgatory right now. Your boy Tyler O'Neill needs to step up. He's going to four. He has to be the cleanup hitter. He has to be. He He has to be. Or they put Carpenter there. I'm going to text him later and tell him BK doesn't believe in you. (laughs) What? Yep. That's you off. I like Tyler O'Neill as no, no. You said you didn't like ago. him earlier. Yeah, you, heard it. you keep saying you hate everybody that's not Dylan you, Carlson. That's a good you point, guys. actually. Yeah. I did not I miss you at all. You opened the show, BK, and said they should just put nine Carl- Carlsons out there on the field. Would I, it be he- better if I put? Great. Would it be better if the Cardinals just put Carlson on the back of everybody's jerseys? Would it just make you feel better? Just the left fielders. So you want O'Neal to have Carlson on the back of his you jersey? You do hate O'Neal, don't you? It's bad. Okay. Maybe it's Canadians in general. Now, have you guys? Oh, man, it might it's, be Canadians. Yep. Canada sucks. Now it's starting to all make sense to have me. Have you guys looked at the National League standings lately? It's incredible. All I know are the Marlins are up top, boys. Great winning percentage. The Cardinals are two and a half games back of the Braves and the Dodgers for the wild card right now. They have played five games. The Braves and the Dodgers have played 12 games each. <laughs> Half a game back from the Cardinals is the Phillies at one and three. <laughs> is that good? Is that good? It's just where, incredible to look at these things. Where are the Marlins in the standings? Because we always joke about this winning percentage, but where are they actually? They were at a 6-6-7 winning percentage before yeah. last night. So right now, the Miami Marlins are one game back of the Braves for first place in the NL East. The Braves are 8-4. and four, The Marlins 3-1. and one. By the way, <laughs> They won last they night. Won. Marlins yeah. versus Royals World Series. With this rag, the Royals are done. Hey, it's over. Greg Holland got a win. They're three and nine on the year. They are finished. Trevor Rosenthal's throwing ninety nine. It's all all fantastic. I did see They're that. done. D O N E done. It. You call yourself a Royals fan? Wow. Carlson fan. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. But first, I have a question for Jamie. Jamie told me before the show today, BK, we have got to get into this coffee situation. I don't know what he's talking about, but apparently there's a coffee situation at work that Jamie needs to discuss. Yeah. Okay. Look, it. I understand. Uh, we had a big old fancy Starbucks coffee maker, and I think it went on the fritz or something like that. Anyway, so it's been replaced with uh, your traditional. Uh, um, it, like Folgers com- coffee. No, but not like the one at home, right? Like the commercial kind you oh, see yeah. at like the, the gas station, whatever. Coffee it's pot. really, really easy to use. Every day when I walk in here, I just want to get a coffee. <laughs> I mean, I'm not asking for anything. <laughs> I just want to get a coffee. And there's two almost, not completely empty, because, you know, that would be rude. Two almost empty coffee pots sitting there on the burners. 
And I'm like, is it that hard to just replace it and make a new pot of coffee? If you're that one, like that's like my kids at home that they take all the milk right back. I was to about the, to say, and they leave that little smidgen at I the bottom, that. just so way they don't have to throw it away. That's yeah. right. Oh, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't finish yeah. it. It you wasn't know? done. So what I did, guys, is I took a stopwatch. Yep, I did it, and I timed myself <laughs> to make a fresh uh, pot of coffee. Now, not the whole brewing process, but to set it up so that my teammates, my Hubbard Radio teammates, could enjoy coffee. I went the extra mile, and I timed it. So the process is you take the little bit that's left, and you dump it out because nobody wants that garbage yeah. at the bottom of the coffee that's pot. That's why it's there. A couple little swishes under the thing. Boom, you rinse it. Then from the point you put it back on the thing. Boom, pull the filter thing out, put a new, uh, dump it in the garbage, put a new filter, put it in, hit the brew button. Guys, how long do you think it took me to do that? 90 seconds, maybe. 35. No, the process of once it's set up, right? All I got to do now is change the filter, get a new one, and push the button. How long do you think that took? seven seconds, yeah. 5.67 seconds. I timed it. I love that you've got it down to the hundredth of a second. Well, if I'm going to get on here and voice my opinion. This seems like a passive-aggressive move. It's not passive. It's right in your face. There's nothing passive about this. (laughs) It's right in your face on this one. Passive-aggressive would be leaving a note that says, (laughs) if you have very little coffee remaining whatever you pour your cup would you please kindly honestly fill up a new cup i'm surprised you didn't take a picture of the stopwatch and send a mass email out to everybody you know what it might still be on there let me find my phone but anyways my point is about this whole process is i'm challenging all every single one of the hubbard team here to just refill the dang coffee pot don't leave that little bit left. Be better than my sons. Ribs, I have a, I have a, an ad- admission to give. Don't tell me. Oh, I'll come, no. I'm coming right over the desk. Oh, here. no. Um, what time do you usually get here in the morning? It varies. Um, I'm Today usually, was pretty early. I'm Today usually here early. before you, and I dump that coffee out before you get here. Just because I want to see you make a fresh pot. You're going to have a hard time getting out of here alive <laughs> just today. Just joking. Jeez, no, man. In all seriousness. No, let's I, just, I agree. 5.67 seconds. Just replace it. Hit the button. Walk away. You know, do that. You're, you're paying it forward here. What's it's not worse, too much to ask. What's worse at home? When somebody in your family does the milk thing slash juice thing, whatever it is that your family uses more of, where they just leave that little itty bit at the bottom so that way you have to be the one that throws it away. Or when you've got leftovers that are in a, a Tupperware container, you have it in the fridge and somebody takes just enough so where there's like one little bite remaining. So that way they don't have to wash out the Tupperware whenever they're finished. They put it back in the refrigerator and you get ready to use it. And there's just not enough there for you to actually do anything with it. Let me add one to the list, okay? (laughs) Frozen food, okay? It's a thing at my house because the schedule, as you guys know, at my house is all over the place. And I may want to throw a couple of toasted ravs in on a night, you know, whatever. I go to the freezer. And I pull the box out because there's toasted wraps or mozzarella sticks, something. And it's this massive Costco box, right? Taquito, steak and cheese, taquito, whatever it is. And I go to pull it out and it's air. It's empty. The box has been put back in the freezer with no contents. Nothing in it. it? Nothing in it. I was thinking thinking there'd be like one one left. No, no, nothing. So the effort there is to say, oh, darn, I don't want to be yelled at for taking the last one. So not, I'm not just going to. That's even worse than I'm, one remaining. I'm going to go, that's the worst, because I do the other two. I've never done that. So, so I'm I not a monster. So I pull empty box out. Yeah. And it literally, my head almost spins off. Well, your wife happens. needs to send the, I prefer mustard. I, 
empty boxes. Oh, listen, she's done a few things. Big Hoss left the freezer open one day <laughs> and melted like half the freezer. Oh, my God. And we lost like three, four hundred bucks with food. Big Hoss had like thought out hamburger being tossed at him in the garage. So, yeah, I prefer mustard. Doesn't mess around. No, she does not. He's Jamie Rivers. That's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. We want to let Alex Ferrario cook for a minute because he believes this upheaval could actually be good for the Cardinals over the long term. We'll hear what he means by that coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Alongside Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, who forgot that he has a job to do today. I'm Brandon Kylie. 18 jobs at once, boys. Can I blame BT for talking to me again like I did the last time? Does that work? No. No, Not this time? No, he's so used to being on this side, Jamie. He Uh, wanted my chair back again. Bobby Big Wheel over there. The last couple (laughs) of days, he... uh, head grew a little bit and he's thinking that he's supposed to be in the host chair he wasn't in that chair oh you were in this chair oh yeah damn right i went in there i peed all over that area i just owned it it's my territory now bk (laughs) he did in fact well that's what dogs do i think that's an hr violation is it is it no probably not i mean i'm just establishing my territory so alex ferrario has gained so much confidence in this host role That he texted us last night, Jamie. He said, hey, guys, I've got a strong take on this situation. I actually think there is a case to be made that this can be a positive for the Cardinals over the long term. Ferrario, I'm going to let you cook. Why do you think this can be a positive? Before we do this, okay, were you maybe inebriated (laughs) when you made that text last night? Why is that always the go-to? Because of what you read Long Island. Just because of what he said, I was like, yeah, maybe he was a little buzzed. Was he getting into the seltzers last night? It's a weeknight. It was a weeknight. No, usually Jack and Cokes are the weeknight. Seltzers are the weekend, boys. Okay, so a little bit buzzed in. That feels like backwards. Does that feel backwards? It feels way backwards. backwards. You know what? At at the same time, it explains a lot. It explains an awful lot of forever. No, hear me out here, guys. So I was listening to Fastlane talk about this and looking at the names, listening to John Mozalock. What's the biggest thing that we kind of scrutinize about John Mozalock and company with the Cardinals front office and rosters? All they do is continue to sit here and tell us, well, we got to see what this guy is. We got to see what this guy is. And nobody's, you can't move forward. You're not going to make trades because they got to see what this guy is. Well, guess what? If you don't have Paul DeYoung, your, one of your premier bats in your batting order, if you don't have Yadi or Molina, if you don't have Carlos Martinez or a Miles Michaelis, this is the end of John Mozeliak using the excuse of we got to see what we have to have moving forward. There's no more, well, we're not sure what Tyler O'Neill or Lane Thomas is, so we can't call up Dylan Carlson. No, that's not there anymore. They weren't on the COVID list. They played 60-plus games for you. They, they've shown you what they are. There's no more, well, we're not sure if we're going to bring back Yachty because Andrew Kisner hasn't really had those shots, or we don't know if we want to trade him because he's a piece. No, you're going to know because he's going to play games for you. Carlos Martinez, he might be a close. Closer, he might be a pitcher. No, he's hurt. Now somebody else is stepping in. So there's no more of this John Mozeliak speech to us saying, well, well, you need to find out these guys. Now, moving forward for the Cardinals, it's going to be these guys played this season for you. Now it's either move or if you're sticking with them, we know there's no winning mentality in this front office piece. So I think this is positive. How many games did you say that we've seen from Harrison Bader so far, from Lane Thomas, from Tyler O'Neill? Can, can you re- reference that one more time? Uh, 
Like for this season? A lot, right? A lot. We've, we've seen yeah. quite a few. Well, a lot for Harrison Bader. Bader. For Harrison Bader. We haven't for And we've seen like Thomas 120 from Tyler O'Neill. But we've... in spots. Sure. Never consistent. Yeah. The reason Don't why go I, down that path. Yeah. The, the reason why I bring all of that up is because it's not like we're going to see a month and a half of these guys every day. We, we don't know how long it's going to be. But if we look at the recent examples of cross Major League Baseball with players that have tested positive, probably a couple of weeks from the time that they tested positive is what we're looking at for them to be able to return to the field of play and maybe it's closer to 20 days right well if we look at it that way we're like less than two weeks away from them returning for the Cardinals. So Andrew Kisner getting every day at bats is a good thing. I'm with you. I agree on that. If Dylan Carlson were to come up, get every day at bats or even throw him off to the side, Lane Thomas getting every day at bats, Tyler O'Neill getting every day at bats. All of that is a positive thing for, in my opinion, but it's only two weeks. Right. So I don't think it's going to change anything in terms of how they talk about these guys. I, I think they're still going to have that built-in excuse of, yeah, we saw them, but we only saw two weeks. So how much did we really get to know? Okay, I agree with that. Now, yesterday, Alex, we touched on this in one of our segments. I said, to your point about we're always talking about, well, we got to see what we have, this and that and the other. And the number one thing that I get out of a lot of this is, well, we've got great depth. We make sure that we have great depth in the minor league system, and we're always looking to improve our depth. Like, that's a John Mosellock thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we're going to wait and see what we have, and we have great depth in various positions. Well, let's find out what that depth is. Are we just being told that we have good depth, or do we actually have those players that can now come up and not make a difference, but at least hold their own while the Cardinals have a bunch of guys on the injured list? You're at the point now where we're being told that these are everyday players in the Cardinals' eyes. Well, you're going to have these guys as the everyday players. Look, if you miss the 16-team playoff format, even if you make the 16-team playoff format, but you don't advance and teams like the Cubs or the Reds advance further than you, then you're at the point of no return if you're in charge of this baseball team. There's no more, well, we still think Lane Thomas is an everyday player and he can be effective for us. No, you saw that. He wasn't effective to get you to the postseason. What I'm what I'm seeing with this is beneficial for the Cardinals because after this season, you either have a group of players that we've been told can be effective and make this team a competitor or you don't. And if you don't, there's no more riding this bus of these guys can help us win a World Series. You're past that now. You have to go out and make changes, whether it be the younger guys that are supposed to be the next thing for you, like a Dylan Carlson or like a Johan Oviedo or a Matt Libator or Nolan Gorman, or you go out there and you find ways to improve your club. You cannot sit in this purgatory of, we still think these guys can be effective. So let's hone in on this a little bit, because I think it's an interesting point you bring up at the very least. Uh, They're going to have opportunities for young guys that wouldn't have been there otherwise. Yadier Molina being on this list, being on the injured list, is going to be significant. We are going. We know who replaces him. Hopefully, fingers crossed. It should be Andrew Kisner. He should get everyday opportunities now to be your catcher, and we'll see what he's got behind the plate. And that's going to be really important because in a year where you have no minor leagues. He was going to have nothing in terms of development this year. So it'll be nice to be able to see at least a, a short, brief period of time to see what he's got behind the plate. And as we heard earlier today from Kyle Glazer, the biggest question for Andrew Kisner is not his hitting ability. Everybody believes that's going to be there. It's his ability behind the plate as a defensive catcher. So it'll be nice to be able to watch that. Let's hone in on the other two, though, because DeYoung being out and Carlos Martinez being out are the other two opportunities that are now opening up for younger players. 
Who do you think replaces De Young in the lineup? Because we know who it's going to be at shortstop, at least in my opinion. I think it's going to be Tommy Edmond that ends up playing shortstop every day. But who effectively replaces De Young in the lineup every day, in your guys' opinion? I think right now it's Brad Miller. I mean, they signed Brad Miller to be a bench player. He was hurt after spring training, and then when things opened up, you weren't able to use him. But he was brought in to be a utility player to give days off to Paul DeYoung, and he's a left-handed hitter, and he's a bat. So I think in my eyes, Paul De- Brad Miller's not going to be hitting in the four spot, but Brad Miller is the bat that replaces Paul DeYoung every day. Yeah, I, look, I don't know enough about Brad Miller, but I tend to agree with your theory. I, I think that that thought process, to me, makes more sense than pulling Matt Carpenter out of the DH, and then we're taking a guy that's actually in the field, putting him on the D. Like what, instead of moving all these pieces around, mm-hmm. you slide one piece in, and then you certainly adjust the batting order to where I think Tyler O'Neill would slide into the four spot. A lot of pressure on the kid. But right now, uh, who else would you put there? No, I think that's absolutely the right guy to put into the cleanup role. The reason why I asked that about DeYoung specifically is because Brad Miller getting every day at bats doesn't change anything in terms of our belief of what these young kids can do. Brad Miller is here as a short-term stopgap. He's not a guy that we really need to see every day at bats to see what he's going to be moving forward. Uh, let's go to the pitching situation. Carlos Martinez is now pulled out of the rotation. You've got to have somebody inserted into that spot. We were going to get into this a little bit more later on, but who do you guys think ends up as the number five pitcher now? Because I think- it's basically a competition, I would imagine, between KK or Austin Gomber. It's one of those two that will get this. Who do you guys think will ultimately be the name? I think, for me personally, I think KK gets that opportunity. Uh, Gomber had a tremendous you know, spring training 2.0 here with the Cardinals, and we were kind of amazed at how well he was doing. Now, since the season's begun, it hasn't been incredible. Uh, it hasn't been awful, but it hasn't been the same. I just think that... Quite honestly, all the talk of KK being that last guy in the rotation for so long before, I know that you've kind of targeted him as your closer now, but based on what I'm seeing, you're probably bringing up some other guys that are more bullpen type guys and that lets you push KK to that rotation. Now, will they do that? I don't I to me that seems like the easiest play for the Cardinals. <laughs> That never seems to be the play that the Cardinals decide to play, though. Uh, I agree with what BT said yesterday. Same with you. Same with where I think you're at, BK. KK is the guy. It's not going to be. In my eyes, Austin Gomber's that guy. Austin Gomber is another guy and a starter in the Cardinals organization that we've heard he can be in the rotation. He was in the rotation two years ago, and he was very effective for you. He's a left-handed pitcher, but this is that moment where the Cardinals say, are you the guy? Or are you not the guy? I can see them using him as a long man in the bullpen or in the sense of KK moving in and using him towards the back end. But I see the Cardinals looking at Gomber and saying, you're our fifth guy. Let's see what you got. To me, whoever gets that role is the one that has the most to gain with this current situation of all of the Cardinals, because we're, we're expecting to how see how many starts is it? One or two, maybe. But if he's great in those, maybe yeah. they decide, you know what? Carlos Martinez is now moving back to the bullpen. We we understand we wanted to give you that shot, but given the current circumstances, you're not built up enough. We're going to push you back as the closer. But the reason why I, why I bring that up as whoever the fifth starter is stands the most to gain, we know Kisner is not going to win the catcher job this year. Yachty's going to have that job back. Whoever fills in for DeYoung is likely going to be reverted back whenever DeYoung is back into the lineup. The fifth starter spot, though, if Gomber's tremendous, 
maybe he takes over for Ponce. Maybe Ponce struggles in the next couple of starts, and maybe it is Carlos back into the rotation, and Ponce is the one that gets pulled out. If it's KK that earns that opportunity, maybe he doesn't go back as the closer, and it's going to be Ryan Helsley moving forward that is your closer, whoever it is. Of all the, of the people that are going to be getting new roles because of the current COVID diagnosis on this team, I think it's whoever wins that fifth starter spot that stands the most to gain over the next two weeks or so. So now what if, let's look at it this way for a second. Carlos Martinez, a lot of speculation on how and when this COVID thing may have evolved for him. What about the thought that if somebody steps in and plays well, that John Mosellock and Mike Schultz are like, listen, man, you're just too unpredictable. You're just too unpredictable. We don't know what we're to getting. To Carlos? To Carlos. Like, we don't know what we're getting from you day in, day out. Yes, you have this great talent. You have all this ability. But every time we seem to put the trust in you, somehow, some way, that trust is broken. Whether it's doing things off the field or not maintaining himself to be on the field, his workout habits, whatever it is, he seems to have bit the hand that fed him a few times. And maybe they say it's less risk for this club to put you in the bullpen where we have several different arms than it is to put you back in the rotation and kind of mess with things. And I think all of that is dependent upon how these guys perform. Yeah. I mean, if Ponce is great over his next couple of starts, maybe he earns that opportunity to stay in the rotation. Same thing for whether it is KK or Gomber, whoever ends up getting that fifth spot. If they're fantastic in their couple opportunities, I think that also goes towards what do we decide to do with Carlos there if you're in John Mosellock's shoes. And so, yeah, I, I think that's at least in play. It's something that I would imagine they're considering right now what are we going to do with Carlos whenever he's able to come back onto the field and be back whether it be in the rotation or the bullpen they've got to be considering that right now well and I think this is the year that Carlos this is a make or break year for Carlos with the Cardinals now I think he's got one more year still of um, I think yeah, he's controlled by the Cardinals. Yep. But this is a year that I don't. If he comes back, I don't know if he's back in your rotation. He goes to the bullpen, and if you're not effective in the bullpen, or you're still kind of loose, like we just talked about, I think this is the year that Carlos could be shipped out if the Cardinals. This to me is a big year for the Cardinals, looking at this team and saying, okay, we either reshape this roster or we stick with what we got. They have three years left of club control. One that's guaranteed. Yeah. The next two are going to be club options for the team. So that's where they are with Carlos Martinez. But I agree with you. I think it is a potential make or break year for him with the Cardinals. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Let's play a game of Are We Sure? That's coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. You. <laughs> with Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. 65780 is the air comfort service tax line. Let's play a game of Are We Sure? Oh, I struggle with this one. <laughs> Ribs gets confused I on get this confused. one. BK drops like a couple of different negatives and a positive. And I'm like, I don't even, I'm not even sure who I am right now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if we can get through this first one. <laughs> so I saw this story yesterday. This comes from Ashton Pittman. He's a senior reporter down in Mississippi. He gave this quote from the Mississippi governor who issued a statewide mask mandate yesterday. Quote, I want to see college football. The best way for that to occur is for us to all realize that wearing a mask, as irritating as that can be, and I promise I hate it more than anyone watching, is critical. End quote. 
Jamie, are we sure the South isn't about to eradicate COVID within the next month or so? <laughs> well, okay, let's isolate the South, right? <laughs> Um, I don't know if eradicate and South go together so far with COVID. Easy there. (laughs) I'm just saying right now, we've had some struggles in the South with some COVID. So uh, the mandatory mask would probably help, I guess. Those college players, that'd probably be interesting to try to play through a game with that. Probably have to have some heavy duty masks, right? Like, no. You guys are staring at me can, like I'm crazy. Can I, are we sure you're, are we sure? Are we sure the South hasn't already done that with COVID? What do you mean? What? Don't they act like it's not a real thing anyway? Oh, well, well I guess so, but they haven't really eradicated <laughs> much. <laughs> this took a turn I wasn't anticipating. I gotta <laughs> like, be honest. What? <laughs> 65780 is the air comfort service sex line from the 636. Guys, are we sure we want BK back on the show today? Oh, oh that's a good one. Come on now. That's a good one. Is there really? Well, I can promise you this. If, not if, even if I'm not behind, if I'm behind well, the board, you're not going to get dead air. <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good point. What? You guys really had a lot to support me here. I thought you were going to have oh, my back, oh, talk wait. about how much I you this was one, me. I didn't know it was actually a really are we sure. I'm sure I want BK back on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Come on now. I'm just not in that seat, but yeah. still. Yeah, we have Pete all over it. We don't need you over there. So I was reading earlier today, Pierre Lebrun over on The Athletic. And he was talking about expanding the playoffs, not just for this year, but in the future. Oh, Peter. He says <laughs> expanding the playoffs is not something that the NHL Players Association intends to push for at this time because adding another round to an already grueling year and playoff schedule doesn't make sense. He also added that the commissioner, not a big fan of the idea of expanding the postseason. That being said, are we sure it wouldn't be a good idea for the NHL to do so because of the money? that they could ultimately get. Hold on, Ribs. Wouldn't be a good idea. So not a good idea. I'm sure it's a bad idea. There we go. That's all I know, okay? (laughs) And I don't care about the money to do with it. First of all, logistically, okay? How would you do this? Are you going to have this round-robin crap every year, too, while these guys play in? Because you're not going to have teams just sitting there. Unlike football, teams in hockey don't like that bye week. They don't like that bye playoff series. They don't want that. They'd like to be involved in real games so that they're matching the intensity of their next opponent, whether it be the first-round playoffs, second-round playoffs, whatever it is. They could do, like, five days off. No. no, you don't. But it's not, not just that. It's not just the time off. It's the fact that those guys during your time off, those guys have ramped it up. Yeah. And they're in full mental and physical shape for playoffs. And you're coming in there and you're like, OK, we had five. Days. We had really good practices, though. That ain't going to cut it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's a money thing involved. Uh, so that point, I don't think you'll see it. And another one, it is long and grueling already. Like I was thinking about this the other day, like these play in teams, if it goes five games for one of them and then they go play and if let's say we get a stanley cup champion that was a play-in team Mm -hmm. do you know how many games they will have played in such a period a short period of time it's gonna be tough yeah so and on top of it too i i do think you're 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 taking away from what the stanley cup playoffs are like you're getting those 16 teams if you expand it and look no disrespect to the extra eight that have been in here but look at what happened last night rangers were just toasted straight through it they have an mvp player like panarin but they just weren't supposed to be in the playoffs florida panthers might get posted or toasted in this one too you're taking away from the product when it gets into the playoffs you already got 16 out of 31 teams you don't need to add 24 
four of those 31 teams. I don't know. I think people would like it after a while. I, I, think, I don't think so. I, I think people would brush back against it early it on. It would make the playoffs special. It'd be too long and be yeah. drawn out too much. And as all, it is, it's an extra week. But as it it's is, the hockey. NHL struggles for the ratings in that, that yeah. period of time because baseball's in full swing. If you add more playoffs, people will be like, well, I don't know where I am anymore. Even I forget. I'm turning it's on already, baseball. Uh, it's already a, a Holy Grail-esque trophy to win from the 82-game schedule through the playoffs. Adding an extra one in there is just... Plus, Bernie Federico said it this morning. Blues have gotten kind of screwed in this round-robin scenario. Now imagine that you get five days off... Well, said this for weeks. You're not a Hall of Famer. <laughs> Why are you throwing well, stuff? I've never liked the idea. No, yeah. But I hated the idea of not playing games even more. But then sure, I'm- but it should have been off of a winning percentage, including this round robin, based on what they did in the regular season. And then if adding that was the case, to it. Blues would have been second. Right. Right. Which would have been great. At a minimum, they would have been, they they deserved to be in the top two. This is what I've said all along. So it then, was, what do you do during this period of time where you have the play? Play the round robin, but just add in this the three games. To so just call them exhibition games. No, you add it into the winning percentage. Oh, so the so Blues are guaranteeing a top two seed. Mm. And so, based on what I you did in the saying. regular season, you're incorporating these three games into that. Basically, somebody, what basketball is doing, they just have eight games instead of three. Somebody brought up an amazing idea. I forget who it was because I'd love to give them credit. I can't remember, so I'll just take credit for it. Anyways, is to have a weighted system. Had they gone to the round robin where it's weighted, where if you're first place going into the round robin, if you win a game, it's worth three points. If you're second place and you win a game, it's worth two points. So Mm -hmm. it's weighted, so it makes it harder to shake up the standings. Right, that would have guaranteed the Blues to be at least top two seed. That's all I asked for. I I don't think they should be able to go down to three or four. Sorry for it. No, 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 you're fine. I've interrupted you four times now. No, I think it's a great well, thing. He's also the guy left dead air. So. That's true. Yeah. Come on now, guys. I think it's a great thing, but it just going back to that playing it into next season, imagine those teams that are the one, two, three, or four seeds that have five days off while the play-in teams. I mean, that just takes away from ramping it up into the postseason, so it just wouldn't work. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 636. BK, this may be the dumbest thing you've ever said, expanding the NHL playoffs, you idiot. This is not my idea. This is hockey people talking about it because of the lost revenue. Yeah, well, that's where this is coming from. We don't need to call them people names here. Come on now. I, what do we call them? He didn't call them an idiot. Did he call them an idiot? Yeah. So the dumbest thing. Oh, he did say idiot yeah, at the end there. The very oh, end well played, 636. Uh, a nice little <laughs> I didn't at see the it until the end. Yeah, little... I was already down at in cool. the middle. Hey, a little Ray Finkel right Ray to the Fischneris. <laughs> I'm not in favor of expanding the playoffs in general. I, I didn't like the NFL doing it. But right now, all of these leagues have to get super creative to bring in more revenue. They have to. We're talking right now, Jamie, over the last week or so about the potential of the NHL playing in a bubble again next season. Mm-hmm. That means no added revenue from fans in the stands. If you're missing out on all of that, you're going to have to find places to bring in more money. What is that going to be? Is it expanded playoffs? Is it something that you can do in-game? I don't know what it is, but the NHL, I guarantee you will be looking into all of these potential revenue streams because they have to. They're going to be forced to. Same thing for baseball, the NFL. Problem with it is the union will have to agree to it. Sure. And they just, just, just extended the CBA. It might be a decision of do, because they might have to look into that again, depending on what next season looks like, right? And it could be looking at more escrow versus expanded postseason. And if you're a player... Or they'll say, yeah, you'll get your postseason, but then guess what? The ceiling for the escrow is coming down. 
So it'll like be we're not going to be able to. You're not going to be able to go up to 20 percent on the escrow. Right. A maximum is going to be 12 percent. Now, now you're sounding like an idiot, BK. No, that, I think just that, that's how you get the players to agree to it. I know. So I, I'll i be interested to see what they look at. The, the commissioner apparently is not in favor of the idea, so I doubt that this is something that they, well, that they decide to do. never had a bad idea, so. He's a Hall of Famer. But yes. I respect that. He is. They, they are going to have to look into how they can make more money next year yeah. because there's going to be a loss in revenue. Just charge more for tickets. Yeah. Bump it up. More for beer and nachos, right? 70 times zero. Zero. <laughs> Hundred times. What zero, if you have one zero. though? <laughs> like, I guess you make the extra thirty bucks. <laughs> With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Which Cardinal starter deserves that fifth spot? We talked about this a little bit earlier on. Or earlier on, I want to really dive into this. Austin Gomber versus KK. Who deserves that fifth spot moving forward? We'll talk about it coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. KK to me still makes all the sense in the world, doesn't it? You got Ryan Helsley that can shut down games for you. Yep. You've got Giovanni Gallegos at the back end of the bullpen. You've got uh, John Gann. Gann has looked freaking unhittable so far in this early, early season. Basically, anybody that you've called for down in the bullpen has gotten the job done outside of the first day for KK. Right. Who's a starter like, in the KBO. Yeah, pretty much his entire career. He's had a couple of games out of the bullpen, but his whole career has been a starter. That was Brad Thompson yesterday on the fast lane, and I want to get into that very topic right now with Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's 12:36. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. The Cardinals have a ton of pitching depth, and now they're going to need to find out exactly how good that depth is because Miles Michaelis down for the year, Carlos Martinez on the injured list now. You've already had Daniel Ponce de Leon step into that rotation as your number four starter. Now you need a fifth guy. And they have two options. I would say they've got two quality options in Austin Gomber and KK. The question is, which guy do you go with? All offseason, the question was Carlos Martinez versus KK. So it would seem to be an obvious choice, but it seemed like it would be an obvious choice when they went with Daniel Ponce de Leon as well. And that came as a surprise to all of us when they went with him over Gomber or KK. So, Jamie, I'll start with you. Out of these guys, Gomber and KK, who do you think they will versus should go with as that fifth starter? Well, look, to BT's point and Anthony Stalter, who chimed in there just a little bit on that audio, he is a proven starter. Maybe not Major League Baseball, but in the KBO, which I know it's it's different. It's not the same animal, but it is when you get to a player for muscle memory and knowing how to be in those situations. And look, Daniel Ponce de Leon, like you said, was a surprise getting the nod there. Now, having watched that, I thought he did really well. I thought he did great, actually. He settled down after the first inning, and now I'm like, okay, I've accepted the fact that, especially under these circumstances, Daniel Ponce de Leon, he's in the rotation. Austin Gomber had a tremendous spring training 2.0, or summer spring training, however you want to word it, right? He was great. So-so at the beginning of this, but you know, same can be said for KK. He ended with a flurry in that one close against the uh, the Royals where the guys are just looking at the like whiffing. And then he came in and struggled in his first closer appearance. So to me, let's put guys into situations that they're familiar with. And I think KK is more familiar with that starting position or that starting pitcher in the rotation than Austin Gomber. So for me, after all that long winded jargon, I'm going with KK. 
I'd be going with KK too. I think it's the smart decision when it comes to a guy who you I mean you brought KK to the to Major League Baseball to your team to be the guy that can jump in if somebody gets injured or if somebody can't make it the full season, KK was that guy. I am intrigued by Austin Gomber, though. I think Austin Gomber, if you go back and look at the 2018 stats for him, when he started, he only had a couple of games where he gave up five, six, seven runs. But overall, I think he had 11 starts in 2018, and it was somewhere around a four ERA. But if you take those two or three games that he kind of blew out where he's given up seven runs, I mean, you're looking at a guy who was sitting around a 2.5, 2.6 ERA starting for you. He's a left-handed guy, just like KK is, but he's also a guy that's on that bubble of what is he going to be. So KK makes sense, but I'm intrigued by Austin Gomber. So if it were me, I'd put Austin Gomber in that position just because I want to see what he has. I'm with you. I, I wonder if the Cardinals showed their hand with the uh, Daniel Ponce de Leon move. I wonder if they just think KK is a closer. And if that's but the has case, has he ever been a closer before? Not really. Not like a couple this. of games where he's come out of the bullpen. Yeah. So, but okay. So back to the original thought when KK was signed, I think we thought, Oh, he could be in the rotation. But in my opinion, from what I understood, which could be not much, I know that. Okay. Huh. But in my opinion is they were looking to KK to be that middle guy that you could stretch out. And if you had a piggyback situation or you had a three or four inning start, he could step in and give you four innings of solid pitching. Like that to me was my first impression of KK, not so much the closer. None of us thought that this was going to be his role, but now it, it seems like it is. And our theme of the show, our theme of the Cardinals this year, it feels like is you got to find out what these young guys can do, right? We've said that about so many different players, specifically about the outfield situation, but it also applies to the pitching staff. The glut in the outfield is very soon also going to apply to the pitchers. What is Austin Gomber? Mm -hmm. Is he a long guy moving forward? Is he a guy that's going to consistently go up and down between here and Memphis, but right now between here and Springfield? Is he a starter? Is he exclusively a one-inning guy in the ball? What are you going to have from him moving forward? And I do think at the very minimum, he has the potential to be a starting pitcher in Major League Baseball. I would like to find out what he looks like in that scenario. We're finding it out right now with Daniel Ponce de Leon. He deserves that opportunity. I think Austin Gomber also deserves that opportunity. We know KK has the potential to be that guy. He's only on a two-year contract. It's a, a very small amount of money that they're giving him. I want to find out what Gomber is and what he's going to be for this Cardinals team moving forward. Quick question, because I don't know the answer. What are the ages of Gomber and KK? Gomber KK's, is 26. I'll have to look up what I think KK KK's is. In his, I think he's 30. Okay, so to me, that, that actually tells a story. If that's, if that's true, that there's four or five years difference between these two players, and let me dive into this further now, because this is KK. KK is 32. Okay, 32 and 26. Mm -hmm. So that's six years. Okay, that's, guys, that's not nothing information. That's a substantial amount of years right there. Now, my next question about KK is, is he under a standard rookie contract? No, he's on a two-year two deal contract. with like $5 million. Okay, so it's, it's a free agent, basically. Okay, so I guess I'm looking at this. If I'm the Cardinal, if I'm John Mosellock, I'm looking at six years difference between these two, even if it's five and a half. Well, somebody at home crushing math on me right now, five and a half, five it's years. five and 11 months, Rivs. Whatever. That's substantial to me. Yep. And if... Austin Gomber shows enough promise to where I'm like, you know what? Maybe he deserves to get a shot in the rotation, at mm -hmm. least a start or two. 
You got five years on the other guy. So that changes my opinion completely. At this point, I would put my money and my time into seeing what I have in Austin Gomber, knowing pretty much what I have in KK, and let him continue to get used to being the closer. Because, look, KK, after two years, and this could change, but he's going to be a free agent, and you may not bring him back at 34 years old. Well, he may hate it and just go back to the KBO. Who knows, right? He might hate him now with everything that's been going on. But if you think about it, look at the log jam behind Austin Gomber in terms of left-handed pitchers that they've drafted that can be starters. you got a Zach Thompson who's supposed to be a big deal for this team, a Matt Libatore who is a left-handed pitcher. These are guys who are going to essentially battle Gomber for that rotation down the road. The other thing that, that I don't think we've brought up this could be the showcase of an Austin Gomber trade possibility as well. I mean, you can't trade a KK. Unless K is unbelievable this year, you're not going to trade him. Nobody's going to want him. If Gomber showcases himself as a rotation pitcher who can be a left-handed guy, a four, three, five, whatever he may be, you could trade that if somebody else is ready to take over that spot. Again, too, based on the age, right? 26 years old. I think In control. Yeah. The Cardinals are in a spot right now that is very unique where they are both contending and also finding out what they are. And when I say contending, I mean for the postseason. I don't know that what they have right now, I I don't believe, frankly, what they have right now is a World Series team, but they can contend for the playoffs with the team, with the roster that they have. And so you need to find out, is Ponce de Leon in in our rotation of the future? Is Austin Gomber in the rotation of the future? What does our outfield, how many of these guys can actually be centerpieces for a team that is not competing like we are right now for the playoffs, but for when we compete for championships, can we have Harrison Bader out there? Can we have Lane Thomas out there? Where does Tyler O'Neill fit? Is he a left fielder or is he a DH moving forward when, as we all believe, the National League adopts the DH? So if I'm in charge, and certainly a lot of our audience is happy that I'm not, but if I was in charge, just the audience, (laughs) I would continue having KK in the as a reliever, and I would go with Austin Gomber as my fifth starter that being said i was surprised by the daniel ponce de leon move maybe i'll be surprised once again by what they do with this one with jamie rivers and alex ferrario i'm brandon kiley let's dive into the junk drawer coming up next we're back to the ribs and bk podcast on 101 espn Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. Let's dive into the junk drawer. Since I'm back today, Jamie, I would love to get us started if that's okay. Okay. <laughs> so we talked last week about the man who blew all of his money from the COVID-19 relief that he got. He blew he, what? All of his money. Oh, okay. On stuff he wasn't supposed to have, right? He bought the new Lambo. He was down oh, in yeah. Miami. Yeah, yeah, I remember this. He had the yeah. fraudulent company well, he got fraudulent stimulus checks right based upon information that he gave them that yeah. is correct okay there we go let's do that again Whoa. we found another man who did oh, the same guy same i'm like wow this guy's good <laughs> back at it again wow lee price the third is accused of scamming the u.s government's ppp out of more than that uh that order too First, strip clubs, then the Lambo. <laughs> no, you got to get the Lambo before you go to the strip club. Yeah, you've got to oh, do the, the Lamborghini Rolex first. first. The Rolex because Lambo Because if you don't have club. the Lambo, you're still showing yeah. like you got See, some cash. See, I think you go Lambo first, then no. to get the Rolex. Because if you go into the strip joint, they yeah. can't see you park your car, yeah. but they can see the Rolex. Unless you walk in and you're spinning the Lambo keys on your finger. Like, hey, point. ladies, I got the Lambo. Or wearing the Lambo free t-shirt you got with the car. Yeah. Strip joints definitely last. But which comes first between the Lambo and the Rolex? I think the 
think Rolex. I'd go Rolex than the Lambo. Yeah, because you walk you up walk to in. buying the Lambo with your Rolex. That's on. right. That's a You're good playing point. A game. You don't want to look like a schlub buying the Lambo. Right. You got to look good. I've been wearing a Rolex. I mean business. Yeah, I'd get a Ferrari, but that's just me. By the way, he also well just played. for good measure bought a 2020 F350 pickup truck as well. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. why would you? Well, that's probably that's actually probably something he needed. Yeah. That last purchase is probably <laughs> something he actually needed. The first three were like, "This is just for me," but I, I need this. So that 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 does piss me off, though. You know, look at I'm not going to dwell on 2020 here, but the country doesn't need anybody screwing them out of money right now. At this point, we need to try and do things the right way. So. Hopefully they throw the book at these guys because this is not necessary. Well, the person that was listed as the CEO on the application for the company had died a month before the application was submitted. Mm. And uh, that's Maybe how the money... Maybe he just forgot to submit it, though. Makes a lot of sense. Maybe he held on to it for four months. <laughs> <laughs> that's speaking how we of, ended up with this. I tell you what, boy, speaking of cheating, right, and speaking of things that are going wrong... I want to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs again. Oh, Your boys. God. Nice. Oh, come okay. on. Yeah. Um... Times are tough for the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes uh, taking everybody else's money. Yeah. Uh, leaves nothing on the table, even though he said he did. Hey, sign here. Pressuring his teammates to sign bad contracts. And now he's only focusing on the Royals. Yeah, now he's buying the Royals all of a sudden. Focus on football, yeah. please. Come on. Uh, guys are opting out because they don't want to play with Patrick Mahomes. Right. I mean, yeah. that's what I get out of it. Anyways. It's too cocky. Why would a you? A lot of stuff going on. We had the video game fight between Tyreek Hill and, and Tyron Matthew. And Tyron Matthew. Yeah. The rage quit. Honey the, Badger don't care. Uh, the offensive lineman who just said, I don't want to be on this team. I'd rather go throw LDT. myself into COVID-19 up in Canada. Like, that's a sacrifice. Dr. Tardif. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, the doctor trying to save lives. Yeah, yeah okay. I'll, well, I'll uh, on that one. what would you say if I said that Travis Kelce is adding to this problem? Ooh, what is Kelsey up to now? Oh. Kelsey uh, has a, a confirmed split with his girlfriend. It looks like they broke up. Oh, this is problematic because Patrick Mahomes' girlfriend and Kelsey's girlfriend uh -oh. are really close. See, this is where like, I'm they're headed. They're good friends. All this time you've been thinking I'm crazy oh, and that I'm off on this conspiracy here comes the theory. Tree. Get him I'm out of here. I'm not tinfoil Ferrari, okay? Ooh. So here's we a go. Good one. Kayla Nicole, his girlfriend, mm -hmm. she's listed in here, so I'll just say her name. <laughs> Says that he cheated. He cheated with Becky. Uh, Becky. Oh, uh, Becky? In air quotes. A uh, Becky. Oh, And man. so Travis, uh, he insists it's not because he cheated with a Becky. So he didn't say, I didn't cheat. He's saying, we're not breaking up on the fact that because I did that. cheat. That wasn't the reason that we broke up. Now, I'm not answering the question as yeah. to whether or not I did cheat, but that's not why the breakup Plus, happened. it wasn't Becky. It was <laughs> Nicole. Yeah. Anyways, Travis, <laughs> Travis has gone on to say... In trending, this is fake news. A lie. Oh, naturally. And this is not why Kayla and I broke up. So again, he's doubling down. He's showing some intensity, but saying the reason that we broke up was not because I cheated with a Becky. This is problematic, BK. Do you are you starting to if the wheels aren't falling off, are you starting to see loose lug nuts? Yeah, listen, this might <laughs> That's be what holds the wheel in place. I, I'm glad you clarified that because we've had multiple texters text in today making sure that I am reminded that I don't know how to change a tire. Oh, so I appreciate correct. you letting me know that that is part of the yeah. tire construct. I'm here for you. Yeah, I'm worried. I'm officially worried. We've got this pandemic going on globally, and now the Chiefs have to worry about all this other crap. 
We've got team chemistry issues. We've got girlfriend issues. <laughs> We've got doctors that are opting out of the season. Of We've got a running back who decided a week before he was supposed to report, eh, you know what? I'm out. Looks and like I understand seven a- World Series or, or Super Bowls. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. What's his name? Counted up to seven there on for Super Bowls. Patrick Mahomes? No, the other Chris guy. Jones. Chris Jones. That's it. Jonesing out money left and right. The Patriots have $35 million in cap space all of a sudden. Hmm, wonder if Bill Belichick knew that was coming his way. See? My hey. conspiracy theory yep. yesterday. Welcome to the uh, tinfoil Ferrari world. Speaking of tinfoil Ferrari, uh, there are psychics up in Maine who have found a, a new way of making money. Jamie. Now, marijuana in Maine is illegal. You cannot sell it recreationally. No Mary Jane in Maine? Not recreationally. Oh. <laughs> However, <laughs> if you lose something and it is found, it can be returned to you in oh, the state of Maine. Oh, I get it now. So, up in Maine, there is a new company that has been started with a group of psychics. It is Incredibles.me. That is their website. And what they do is you can go to their website and you can tell them what it was that you lost, the products that you lost, along with your address, of course, because they've got to be able to ship it back to you. Mm -hmm. And the psychic will consult with their weed spirits and find and deliver the lost weed to you. Okay, this is genius. This is genius because then you're going to charge the person for the psychic services. Correct. And a, and a uh, shipping charge on top of that, right? But you're not paying for the weed. We just found it for you because we're psychic. So you're paying me for my psychic ability. And yet- they're able to find it because oh, they can wow. then look into their past and wow. say, okay, this is where you lost it. I can now go there. I will find it for you in that baggie. Make sure that it is sealed nicely for you, mm-hmm. and then we will send it straight to your front door. Tough times create shipping and handling costs included. <laughs> tough times create incredible entrepreneurs. Seriously, that's genius. Good luck proving that they're buying weed from you. Well, you're not. Good luck. I, well, I know, but you're, you're not. Okay, sorry, I'm the only one who thought about that. You lost it, and they were able to find it. It's very nice of them to In do their that. Basement it's, a, it's a service with that scales and baggies. <laughs> well, that's just so to make sure that they can pay for the correct shipping costs. I, listen, I'm not dogging on it. I think it's a genius business idea. I um, Now that it's out there, though, in full force, I think they might have a little bit of a resistance from the lawmakers. I'm sure they'll be fine. There's there. It is a foolproof plan, in my opinion. They've got they have dotted all of their eyes and crossed all of their T's. There is nothing that could possibly go wrong with this one. I tell you what, we might just become psychics, gentlemen. I could use another revenue stream right I now. I'll tell, tell you I'll that, take that much. Whatever I got to do. How are the Cardinals going to replace Paul DeYoung's bat in the lineup? The defense from Yadier Molina. No, by the way, they lost the starting pitcher and Carlos Martinez as well. We'll ask Danny Mack of Scoops with Danny Mack when he joins us coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Now it's time for the Danny Mack Report. This is caught. It's history. As we give you the lowdown on everything cards, brought to you by Goodwill. Donate your car to Goodwill. It is quick, easy, and towing is free. The St. Louis Cardinals, National League, Central Division. 
your personal appearance, your experience in the baseball world. Uh, right now, you know, Daniel Ponce de Leon was a little bit of a surprise when they added him to the rotation. Maybe not a shocker, but just a little bit of a surprise. Now we look at KK and Austin Gomber. Some people think KK is the automatic fit for it. However, there have been some pretty good arguments made, in, in, actually good arguments in this studio, that Austin Gomber should get that chance. In your opinion, Danny, what, what way do you think they might go? I'm not trying to be on the fence here. I, I could see either way. Um, now, they've committed to Kim, at least when, you know, before this all happened, to be the closer and gave him that shot. Um, from what I've seen out of Ryan Helsley, I'd love to see him get a shot at being the closer, and Kim has been a starter. I kind of like that direction. However, you're, you're now saying to this guy, okay, you're in the rotation. Now you're not because Carlos has been good. You're going to be the closer. And now we're saying you're going back in the rotation. Um, 
his stuff seems to play either way when healthy and rested. My concern would be you're going to be playing all these games now, and there's going to be a bunch of doubleheaders coming up in the back end. Um, you're going to meet, need multiple guys, it seems like, in the back end of games. And, uh, you know, I can see them going either way, guys. And I'm, I'm not trying to, to be on the fence here, but I, I, I can see either way that they go. If they said tomorrow that Austin Gomber's in the rotation, I say, okay, makes sense. If they said that Kim's in the rotation, I said, yep, that makes sense. I see either way. I really do. I think Daniel gets another shot at being in the rotation because he struck out eight and three and two thirds. He changed what he was doing in the second inning of that start against Minnesota. He primarily was all fastball um, in that first inning. Then he varied it up. You could tell that he got a little bit different mechanically, at least in my opinion, in that second inning. And he was nasty. Um, so the other part of this, though, is that any way you want to look at it, at least from my baseball experience is that you've had guys that essentially been locked up in their hotel rooms for six days. So no matter what happens on Friday night, you don't know what to expect. I mean, Jack Flaherty could go out and give you five innings. He might give you an inning. Same thing on Saturday, same thing on Sunday. You don't know what to expect. And I would imagine that Mike Schilt, when these games happen, it's going to be a premium on trying to get guys innings because they haven't pitched for what seems like forever. Pitchers need to pitch. Pitchers need to get on a mound, and they need to have a feel of a baseball and face hitters. So one way or another, you are going to have to get guys out there. So whether they're in the rotation or in a bullpen, and it's always going to be in a state of flux anyway, I don't really think it matters. I just think you just get got to get guys' innings one way or another. We're talking with Danny Mack here on 101 ESPN. Dan, this is a good problem to have. I, I readily acknowledge that, but what do the Cardinals do if, let's say they go with, whether it be KK or Gomber in that fifth spot, what do they do with Carlos if whoever that fifth starter is is pitching well and if Daniel Ponce de Leon picks up where he left off in his last start and he ends up performing well as over his next few starts as well, what do you then do with Carlos? Let's get there first. Um, let's hope that baseball is still going and you don't have outbreaks on other teams. Uh, so let's throw the hypothetical out there. Um, let's see where his health is, and you have five starters rolling, then it might just be best that you ease him back in in the bullpen. I, that would be my guess. But, I mean, that, we're so far down the line on that, BK. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, put him in the bullpen. I mean, <laughs> my God, let's just get on the field Friday. Um, I, I haven't given it any thought, uh, quite honestly. Um, I'm just hoping that we play baseball on Friday. I, I'm not trying to sidestep your question, man. I, I just – I get it. I just want to get on the field Friday, to be honest with you. We're talking with Danny Mack here on 101 ESPN. Speaking of Friday, the the one guy that, if you ask any Cardinals fans what they're most hoping they see on Friday, I think it would be Dylan Carlson getting the call up at this point. Dan, from from your perspective, what are you anticipating here? I'm not asking what they should do. What do you think they will do with Dylan Carlson? Well, it's a good question. I mean, and it's one that everybody's asking, and I understand that. Now, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, what's what's the deal with Ravello and how come he wasn't, you know, added on this list. Now, the guys that have come out and said that they are COVID-19 positive, and I know you're really on this, PK. And, I, by the way, I want to go back to the last question. I'm not trying to sidestep what you're asking. What you're asking is logical. My Here's my thing. I just want to see the guys get back on the field, okay? Let's get through some games. 
and if he's healthy, and we don't know how guys respond to all this, my guess would be that he would go in the bullpen. That would be my guess, if all five guys are rolling, because you're going to have to ease guys back in. That would mean that Carlos would not have pitched since the Minnesota series. So that would be almost two weeks, probably. So you're going to have to ease guys back in. So that would be, to answer your question, that would be my guess. Fair enough? Absolutely. Okay. Um, what was this question? This was about... Dylan Carlson. Dylan. Okay. Let's go to the Ravello thing first. So... The guys that are COVID-19 positive, and correct me if I'm wrong, that have come out and said this, are Ravello, Yachty, DeYoung, Fernandez, Whitley, and Sosa, correct? Correct. Okay. The reason that we haven't had an announcement on Ravello, by the way, is because I don't think technically you can go below the minimum level of 15, or excuse me, 25 on a roster. So um, by baseball protocol, and I could be wrong about this, maybe we can check on it, but... Uh, I think they can make that announcement maybe later tonight when they start adding more players. Does that make sense? Yeah. So the, the, once they go to an official roster, then they can say, okay, by the way, this guy is on this move, corresponds with this move, and te- that's the technicality with Ravello. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes all the sense. Okay, so now let's go to what's happening with Dylan Carlson. Um I don't think that they would do that yet. And I, and I go back to the point of they're still going to give Lane Thomas a run here. And they're still going to give Bader a run here. And I think they're I, – I, I honestly think the whole idea is let's get the team back healthy and on the field. That's number one, the health and safety of not only the team, the personnel, the people behind the scenes, the coaching staff. They clearly have made some moves with the coaching staff. There's been something there. Um Honestly, I think that's where they're at. I, I think as an organization, they're just worried about let's take care of people that are human beings here, and let's worry about that. And then once we get settled into the baseball thing, start working out today, tomorrow, start playing some games, let's assess where we're at baseball-wise. And, and that's where I think they're going to do it. And if they start winning some games and they get back into the flow of baseball, then they assess, okay, we've given Bader a run, we've given Thomas a run, O'Neill's playing okay, the other guys, we're seeing where they're at. And then at that point, they, they make their judgment with Carlson. That would be my guess. Could be completely wrong. but that Because that, they've only given Lane one start. So going back to the original point of what they said, hey, we, we want to see these guys play. And now that there's been this disruption of a week, well, that's not really fair to Lane Thomas. So they've wanted to say from day one, let's see these guys play. He's Dan McLaughlin. You can hear him weekdays from 10 to 11 o'clock right here on 101 ESPN as the host, the host rather, of Scoops with Danny Mack. Dan, we always appreciate the time, man. Thanks for hopping on with us today. Most importantly, BK, I'm glad to hear you're healthy, man. Hey, thank you. I appreciate that. That's Dan McLaughlin joining us here on 101 ESPN. That last thing that he said about Dylan Carlson brings me back to a quote that I read earlier today from Mark Saxon by John Mosaloc. He said, quote, Candidly, I'm not overly concerned with the roster right now in terms of are we competitive. He then went on and basically explained what he was saying there by saying, listen, we've got bigger things to be worried about. I'm trying to get through the day. I'm trying to get through the week. I'm trying to see what all of this looks like before I look big picture on the Cardinals. And I think that's what Dan was getting at as well on the um, Carlos Martinez situation is. That's two weeks from now. Like, let's figure out what Friday looks like before we get to what it is going to be two weeks from now. And this all brings me back to something that we've said before, Jamie. These guys are crisis managers right now. 
He's not a baseball manager. We're not looking at Mike Schilt as a baseball manager. John Mosaloc is not a president of baseball operations right now. He's a president of how the bleep do we get this thing back on tracks <laughs> yeah. right now? hundred percent. That's, that's He's not where their about mind is. Baseball decisions at this point, as far as promoting guys or moving guys up and down the the roster, rotation, batting order. He's worried about being able to put a team on the field and keep them on the field. And I think that's why we're not going to see Dylan Carlson on Friday. I, I think it, Have you finally accepted it? I, I've accepted we this made it to this point. No, 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 no. He says he's accepted it, but again, once a week oh, okay. he comes firing in with the Carlson bus always stuff. come out. Let me explain where I'm at here. I understand that this is what they're going to do with Dylan Carlson. I disagree with the decision. And that's where I'm at. I think that if you're going to be in a situation where Brad Miller is getting every day at bats, I would rather see those from Dylan Carlson. I don't know what we've gotten, Millsy, yet. <laughs> Come on. That was, he's, he's already got, got a nickname got for a nickname for Brad Miller. <laughs> if Rangel Ravello was going to be a guy that was going to get every day at bats, yeah, I'd rather Ravioli. see Dylan Carlson. Win. Rangel Ravello gets every day. Well, first, he's got to get rid of the COVID. That's his name. Spiritual. Ravioli at first. Hey, that's a great name. Ravioli. Oh. He tried to say it six times to make sure you would acknowledge Ravioli. it. Ravioli. That's seven. I covered the over-under. 117, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Speaking of being in a bad situation, college football. Whew. This could be a train wreck. We'll talk about it coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. College football. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, they've got a problem on their hands. Earlier today, the Big Ten announced officially its schedule. It's going to start the weekend of September 5th. Boys, we are a month away from the Big Ten starting its schedule. Illinois taking on Ohio State. It's going to be great. Can't wait for it. (laughs) The bigger news, though, today is something else that the Big Ten announced that didn't get quite as much media attention. They announced their mandatory quarantine time for anybody that is near somebody that is diagnosed with COVID-19. Now, it makes sense that you would have a mandatory quarantine time for somebody that is uh, close contact with somebody that tests positive. Yeah. Here's the problem. It's a mandatory quarantine time of 14 days for anybody that is close to another human being that tested positive for COVID. So I've got a question for you, boys. Let's say you're the starting defensive end and the guard tests positive for COVID-19. Well, you can't play in the next game, right? Because you were practicing right alongside that guy. And what about the tackle and the center and the quarterback and maybe the running back that runs off of the guard every other play? How how are we going to be able to do this if the whole offense is sitting out for 14 days at a time? This is impossible. If this is the mandatory setup period and you cannot get out of it. The other thing, the, the little fine print there is no, hey, if you test negative twice, you can come back. No. This is 14 a hard stand. days for everybody. <laughs> yes, it's a circus. Is the Big Ten going to be around by the time that the SEC starts its schedule a month later? <sighs> this is getting to be... Look, it's getting to be an ish show very quickly. Um... <laughs> I don't know how I don't know how you navigate this especially with so many players on a roster then what do you what do you classify or categorize close to a guy were you in the same room 
Uh, did you do a video in the same room as this guy because it's a position player? Do you split up now your positions to where you don't have all your defensive line in the same room to watch video? Or, like, how far we have to go here in order to guarantee that if you do have someone who tests positive, that the whole group doesn't suffer even if they're not positive for COVID. And even if you do all of those things, Jamie, all of them, you take all of those proper precautions off the field, you're still playing football. And so whether, let's say it's your middle linebacker that tests positive, right? Well, you're going up against your offensive line every day. So all of those guys have had close contact well, with them. You're trying to get to you're the quarterback. You're tackling the running back you're trying every to get the quarterback. <laughs> all of these dudes, and you're in a huddle with your fellow <laughs> defensive players, so your other linebackers are, to, are going to be next to you. Uh, you're going through position drills, right? Like, your coaches are next to you. I, I don't understand how you're going to be able to get through an entire football season when you have this kind of a rule that is so cut and dry, black and white, there is no gray area, I understand what they're going for here. It is a noble cause of saying, hey, we want to be super careful 14 days if you are in close contact with anybody that has a positive test. The problem is, if you actually follow this rule to the T, if you do make it a black and white rule, there is no way for you to finish the season. And if you don't, then it's a fake protocol that everybody's going to do an end around on. And now you just have it in there for no reason. And now you become baseball where you're making things up as you go. So great points there, by the way, great use of end around, especially for this topic. Well done there. Um, I think that that's the, I think that's the play here though. And uh, you know, I don't want to accuse college football of being, I don't know, blurring the lines on certain things. Cause you know, they've never blurred the lines anywhere else before. But are they doing this to where it just looks good on paper? Because here's where I go with so it. So baseball did. Remember all those protocols? Hey, no spitting, no, oh, yeah, no yeah, high that's fives, all, none that's, of that. That's a joke in that's itself. Gone. But here's where I go with this. is We all know that co- the NCAA cannot go without college football financially. Yet there are some things that hold them back because otherwise they have to declare these kids as essential people, then it's blurred again. Are they actually essential essential business people, workers? Well, they're not workers. They're not being paid. I could go on and on how crazy that thing is. But based upon that, we know that they want the money. So they're trying to play this season. They're going to power through it. A lot of these conferences, for the most part, I believe, I don't know how many have called it quits. I don't think anybody's actually said we're not playing. Not not among the FBS divisions yeah, so boys, far. The big boys, right? So in order to do that and to collect their money and to con- continue playing, they're going to have to show protocols that are like, wow, we're being safe. We're thinking about the kids. But then if you get a guy, like you said, you're starting defensive end. He's an All-American. Whatever it is, he's ready, best offensive or defensive lineman on your team. He's going against an offensive lineman, and then that guy gets covid you're not going to pull this guy out. Yeah. I guarantee you that, that that won't happen. They'll say, well, you know what? In practice, we actually had a different setup, and uh, he wasn't in close proximity with him. And we are seeing a lot of these top dra- draft prospects already have opted out of the season. The first one was a cornerback from Virginia Tech. Last night, we saw a first-round linebacker from Penn State that has opted out. We saw a wide receiver from Minnesota that's opted out. We're going to see more of that. 
across all of college football. And to clarify what I said a minute ago, none of the conferences have officially opted out of this season. UConn earlier today became the first team to officially opt out of the college football season. Yeah, but the season. conference will march on. Right. The okay. conference has decided that they're still going to continue, of course, because they want the money. And UConn, get your jokes off. Yeah, they opted out of football years ago. I get uh, it. But, uh, <laughs> I actually like that one. There is going to be some gray areas that have to exist with all of this, just as there have been with baseball, and they're learning on the fly. College football has to learn from that. The same way the NFL needs to learn from what's happened with baseball, college football also needs to learn from baseball's mistakes. And one of the biggest ones that they had was early on not knowing what the protocols actually needed to be. Not knowing that, hey, when we get into a live game environment, what is all of this going to look like when we travel? How many people are going to get this disease if it has four people that are on the team? How quickly will it spread? How long will it take for them to show in terms of their test results? All of these things are things that college football now knows. They've seen it live with baseball, another sport that's not doing the bubble situation. College football has to learn from that. Same thing from the NFL. And based on what we saw from these rules, it certainly does not feel like they are learning their lesson. (laughs) Can't they learn from the NFL? Oh, wait. Never mind. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. Jamie told me earlier today, hey, I've got a blue stat that is going to blow your mind. He's going to share that with you coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. So earlier today, I come into the studio and Jamie Rivers says, hey, we got to talk about this stat that I've got on the Blues. And it's not really a stat, but it's a stat. Well, it's actually an analytic. I'll explain it whenever we get on the air. I said, okay, Jamie, I will give you time to blow my mind with whatever your stat <laughs> analytic number is. I know you're stat boy over there. I'm the hockey guy, but you're the stat boy. I get this. So, Jamie, for our listeners, when it comes to the Blues, what's the number one thing that you wanted to tell them about leading into the game tomorrow night against the Golden Knights that you'll hear right here on 101 ESPN? All right. We're going to set the table a little bit here, okay? So since the Blues have been back to play exhibition game in their one-round-robin game, there's been a theme that's come out that they're not in game shape, right? And if you're not in game shape, what does that do to you defensively? I'm asking you, what does that do to you defensively? No, you get out of your place. They get out of your place, right? You're not in the lane. Trying to chase. You're not in the right spot at the right time. You're not getting the right pressure at the right time. Okay, so I decided to geek out last night. And um, I (laughs) I had some video that I obtained. And I started watching the Blues last year in the Stanley Cup final against the Boston Bruins. And now to set the table even more... The the average amount of time that it takes an NHL player under duress that's being pressured to make a play, to either make a play past tape to tape or off the wall or whatever, is like point one and a half seconds. It's like it's it's so quick. The guys get these decisions done so fast. So I said, okay, if guys can make these decisions that fast, how fast do you have to be? in order to cut off their options. And so that that's what led me back to last year against the Boston Bruins. And the St. Louis Blues, when they were on their game, when they were at their best, so you take the .1 seconds of reaction time, the Blues were in, the, in somewhere between the .2 and the .3 
for their reaction time, which really you start closing gaps quickly at that point. So all that means for anybody listening is that the Blues were anticipating the next play and they were physically able to be either in that lane or on that player stick on puck, you know, just two tenths of a not even a, t- a second and a tenth of a second and just a little bit more to do that. Right now, I took some video from their last game against the Avalanche. Third period is much better, but I took the first period because that was kind of the one that was like, this is not pretty right now. They were almost four-tenths of a second behind. So they have a three-tenths of a second gap. Yeah, cut it in half at least. So where they to where they need to be. So when we dive into this, and we're talking, and Craig Berube specifically, not us, Craig Berube is the man with the plan here, okay? When Craig Berube talking about... The fact that we're just not getting there quickly. Steve Ott, we had him on the show, said, yeah, we're we're not in the lanes quick enough. We're just a little bit behind. That's what it means. So if you have players on the opposition that are making these, these plays that quickly, multiply that by two or three plays, that means you're way behind in everything that you're doing. So it's really interesting that you mentioned this. And I want to play off of what you just had to say and what I heard Joey Vitale say yesterday on the fast lane because it brings up what I believe to be an interesting question about where the Blues are right now relative to some of the teams that they're going to be playing, both in this round robin and once we get into the postseason. I want to listen to what Joey Vitale had to say yesterday on the fast lane. No disrespect to the Blues, but they know this. They don't have that Evgeny Malkin who can cut like butter through the defense and, and single-handedly take over a game. They don't have the Connor McDavid who just scored a hat-trick in the highlight reel goals like we saw last night. I'm watching Austin Matthews with my kids right now. Another big goal from a superstar. We don't, we don't have that superstar that can single-handedly take over a game. What we do have is a team. We have a team of between good and really good hockey players. Like right underneath that superstar kind of quality, we have a whole group of that. That play as a team. Now it's going to take that team. It's going to take that aggressiveness. It's going to take that effort and energy to win. So again, you're seeing a lot of teams right now that are kind of blossoming in this kind of environment because of those superstars. And it's going to be interesting as this tournament and playoffs continue, how those teams either fall off or if those superstars get even hotter. The question that I have, Jamie, that I'm going to be looking for moving forward, not just from the Blues, but in this entire tournament, this postseason, as we continue. What does it look like for teams like the Blues that do rely on that full team game, that need, as you're talking about right now, the full team to be able to respond so quickly defensively at a moment's notice, to get back to their game within two weeks, really, of being being back on the ice? What does it look like for them versus teams that do have a guy like a Connor McDavid or a Nathan Kinnon who can just carry you, right? They're able to just find a way to get you points in all of these games, and you just keep advancing until your team eventually is back to where they need to be. The Blues need to buy themselves time right now, really, is what they're doing, because they're going to get back to that. It's just a matter of how long it takes them to get there, and do they have enough time to be able to get there? Can they get through that first round, this round robin, and eventually get back to their game? I think that's the big question that remains unanswered right now. Well, I think you're seeing the early success of guys like Nathan McKinnon, like Connor McDavid, Evgeny Malkin, all these guys that Joey talked about. We're seeing their success right now. Yep. Right. That's that's something you can get a direct result in a situation like this. You're not seeing that result from the St. Louis Blues because it is a different style of play. They are five-man units. And the number one thing that we all talk about and that the Blues talk about forever, Steve Ott, Craig Berube, you name it, the forecheck is what establishes their game. Their game plan is built around, 
having a great forecheck, cutting down the options for the opposition, regaining puck possession, and going to work. So, once again, they have some runway ahead of them here. And every day, and we saw yesterday in practice, they were playing a three-on-three inside the blue line. It's a small area game. You're like, well, they're out of shape, right? They need to skate. They should be skating. Do you know why you condense the ice like that, BK? Because you're always under duress. You're always getting somebody on you right away. And reaction-wise on the defense, you're quick to this guy. You're reacting quickly, making good stick-on-puck plays, good body position. It forces you to make quicker decisions, and your endurance gets built up with the banging into bodies because you're in a small area. So that will benefit the Blues as they try to uh, shrink that gap between where they were last year in the Stanley Cup Finals as to where they are now, as to how quickly they can take away guys in lanes for the other team, establish their forecheck, and get the puck back, which is ultimately how they're going to be successful. These last two games, to me, have been building blocks for the Blues. You know, that Blackhawks game, it wasn't great. I mean, you had spurts, but it wasn't great. The Colorado Avalanche game, you saw windows of, you saw pockets of the Blues offense show themselves. The goaltending was phenomenal. Defense was strong. This next game, I'm interested to see them put a whole period together. Like, it's it's all building blocks. And when you get to that seven-round first-round series, the seven-game first-round series, that's where the Blues showcase. That's where they show up. That's where the team molds together. You give me a 20-minute period tomorrow night against Vegas, I know this is a progressing forward. Because then you try and get to those two periods or the three periods you can put together. Show me that you're going north rather than south. And in Craig Berube's mind and these players' minds, that's the only thing they're focusing on. Yes, they want points. They want to win. They don't care who they play. They didn't care who they played last season. They want to know that that game is slowly progressing to what they need it to be. And I know there's a short window, yes, but they're still less they're about, what, five, six days away from actually playing playoff hockey Give me a period tomorrow if I'm Craig Berube, Steve Ott, Mike Van Ryn. Then give me two periods Sunday against Dallas, and I'll know this team's ready for that first round. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 618. I just heard Joey basically say that the Blues need to get Nate McCannon. Am I missing something? Uh, no. I don't think that's what Yeah, they are. They are missing something a little Everybody's bit. Everybody's missing a Nate McKinnon, except well, not, not just that, but you're missing the point here is that the Blues don't necessarily need a Nathan McKinnon. He's great. I'd love to have him, but they don't need him. They won exactly. Him. They, they can, and we've seen it, win without a player like that. The trouble right now in the current scenario is it's easier to win right now in this current time with a player who can just put you on his back for the next week or two, right? It's hard to win the way that the Blues do. And it's really difficult to get to that style really quickly as we are learning. And so what we thought was potentially going to be at an advantage for them with this heavy game is actually taking a little longer to get into that style. So really, and Alex, you were getting to this. The, the point is they need time. They just need time right now. And so we've got a lot of people saying, hey, stop freaking out, relax, people. Yeah. I'm not freaking out at all. I think there's every reason to believe that they'll get there. We just need to see it eventually. And I know that right now you don't need it tomorrow night. You don't even necessarily need it by Sunday. But we are running out of runway here to where you do need to eventually get to that game. And, Ribs, that phrase, they need time, doesn't mean they need three months like they do in the regular season. That means that you give them more reps like they're going to get in game action. That's going to put them ready for that first round. So I go back to a comment that we made last week is how you build the conditioning in the drills. 
And that's what Craig Berube is doing right now. And to your point earlier, Alex, when we were talking about the playoff discussion, about how it's a grind, it's a grind, right? Mm -hmm. Let's not be mistaken here. The playoffs, the Stanley Cup run is a marathon. What they're doing right now is a sprint, okay? Mm -hmm. But let's remember that when they get to that four out of seven, somebody is going to have to beat the St. Louis Blues four games in the series to eliminate them. At that point, you add the two games they have left. You have the more time they have for practice. I think, as your point earlier about the trending in the right direction, Mm -hmm. it looks like a graph chart right now. And you're seeing this line progressively go up, up, up. Let's hope that... Seen a lot of those charts lately. Seen a lot of those charts (laughs) lately, yeah. But let's hope by the time we get done with the Golden Knights game, that is still trending upward. If that's the case, guys, I'm going to sleep easy at night. And it's not just because of the beers. I will sleep easy at night because I got confidence in St. Louis Because once you get into that first round, you also have rhythm on your hands. And that's where it's back to playing every other day where the Blues have that opportunity to know what the team's going to bring to the table. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, let's do that hockey. Let's cross things over with the fast lane coming up next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's been good to be back today. Let's cross things over with the Fastlane BT in studio. BT, how you doing, man? I'm just glad you were cleared to come back. Getting a little worried. We sprayed so much sanitizer in this place (laughs) the last couple of days. So it's good to have you back. Honestly, I was a little worried as well. Well, When the doctor comes in and says, hey, you know, we're pretty sure that it's not strep. Good, but let's good. uh nobody wants strep. Let's go ahead and get that COVID test. Let's let's make sure that we get that uh, one for you. Well, uh, they do the one that goes in your brain? Is that the one that you did? They did. Um How it, big was that Q tip, by the way? Here. What? What happened? What did I say? <laughs> Got the big nose. No, I did I had no idea yeah. what he was alluding to. Yeah. That was, <laughs> that, was that was nice of him. Um <laughs> was it a pool noodle? <laughs> they had a marshmallow on the end of it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, uh, it didn't feel great. Anyways, yeah, yeah. Didn't feel great. I, I wouldn't recommend doing it for fun. Well, we'll I don't think anybody's much. doing it for fun. It, like, I don't think anybody at this point says, you know what, you know what I haven't done it forever? A COVID <laughs> test? Because uh, I, I would like to get that stuck in my brain, and I'd like to wait for a couple of days on pins and needles. Yeah, what, what, <laughs> I would not recommend it. Um, right. Well, I'm glad you're here, man. Glad you're, you're, you're doing all right. You seem like you feel great. I feel much better. Yeah. I, I felt awful over the weekend. I'm glad it happened over a weekend instead of during the week. Well, but now you've found out what a hangover is. So that's good. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. I will give credit to St. Louis for this. Waiting two days is okay compared to some of these waiting res- waiting for results right now. I mean, some places it's like two weeks. What's your miss? Like, like you can go anywhere in town. You go one place and you have it in a couple of days, like you did. Fortunately, in another place, I mean, I had friends and people talk about the fact that they waited ten to fifteen days. Yeah, like two weeks. Like, like that's that's. Crazy! It's insane. Because what the hell could be done in, the, in in those two weeks? Were you quarantined the whole time? Hopefully, hopefully, waiting for your results. Or the, the Marlins and just keep playing. Oh, something. Well, you know what? What hey, did I say? Players what play. Players play. You know this. <laughs> you know this. Back in your day. All right. Let's put you back. Uh, let's put you back in the locker room. Oh boy. Uh, we come in and say, all right. Turns out, same situation. All right. A couple of the boys got the thing. Yeah. Now, what are we gonna do? Like, well, we feel good. We should play, right? You guys would play. I would, I would be on the play side. Like, yeah. I'm fine. Now, uh, people have to save us from ourselves. We understand that. Is, that the should never is, be the yeah, situation. Of course. Exactly. We should never have gotten to us to decide <laughs> yeah. as the players. 
It should have been the doctors just saying, guess what, guys? You don't have a choice. Yeah, We're out. Sure. We're but out. If, but if it's given to you, you're likely going to play. Well, listen, like I'm going to drag player. a leg behind me if oh, I have right. to and get in line. doesn't matter whose leg it is. It's that's the football player with the concussion, right? He got his bell wrong. It's like, yeah, I'm good to go. Except for that's why we have the independent people that say, no, uh, uh, no. You're not even looking at me. Look at me. Tell me you're good to go. Not <laughs> I don't need guy. to look at you. Yeah. I just got to see the quarterback. <laughs> so, BC, speaking of COVID, uh, the Cardinals have a few of those cases uh, from, from what I have heard. Is that right? I heard you yesterday talking about the rotation yeah. situation and who's going to replace Carlos there. And you said you think it should be KK. Yeah. Do you think that's go- going to be who it is? Like, do you think that is what Not they will do or what you would want them no, to do? You know what? Honestly, I, I would say I would think that they would do it if they would have made that move initially when Ponce took over. So I don't know what the internal conversations have been with KK. I don't know what they told him right off the bat. Obviously, it was, hey, you're going to be in the back end of our bullpen mix. We trust you there. We believe that you can get the job done. And this is a big role. Because, I mean, think about that for that guy. He comes over, he signs his contract, he gets a two-year deal, and boom, all right, I'm going to be a starter. I'm not. What do you mean? Okay. Middle reliever? That kind of sucks. Like, no, no, no. You're, you're a closer. You're good. We trust you. So maybe they talked to him and said, hey, this is where we want you. We believe you're going to be there. We don't want to just have you going back and forth. If those conversations were had and that's what the player is comfortable with, I, I guess that makes sense. To me, though, the guy's got starter written all over him. I mean, it, we, we've seen it. That's what he's done. That's all he's done, essentially, aside from a handful uh, of games. And maybe when he came back from Tommy John for a second, he was in the bullpen. But uh, I, I think that he projects well as a starter. But honestly, guys, whoever it lands on, you got good options. Yeah. You really do. And I'm not saying that your options are as good as Carlos when he's right. But Ponce, it wasn't the most efficient outing in the world, okay? Three and two-thirds uh, in 85 pitches. <laughs> well, punching out eight of those freaking donkeys plays. over there, yeah, for sure it does. And Gomber has just been lights out wherever you end up putting him. And I really want to see Austin get an opportunity to get a starting role and run with it. But I still would go KK at this point. I like him. Uh, I like Gomber bridging a gap right now. And I think you're going to need a, a lot of those guys. Wh- which direction did you guys lean? Well, I started out with KK. Yeah. Because I thought it made the most sense. and Agreed. But then as I dove into a little deeper, I started to look at Gomber saying, you know what, maybe this makes more sense. And where I went with it was Gomber's 26, KK's 32. You know, what is your runway with this player in the future? You've got some control over Gomber, I believe, short term anyways. KK's done in two years. you got no control, and he's probably you know, going to be 34, maybe turning 35 what are your odds of, you know, re-signing that? Not good. Probably. Not good, yeah. right? So that's where I went with it was what makes more sense right now in a short-term thing to give somebody a chance to evolve and see what we have. And Gomber, to your point, has been really good. Been really good. Yeah, yeah, he had a little bit of a rough go there, the, the start. But his spring training 2.0 was fantastic. So... To me, I ended up going with Gomber based on those reasons. I don't want the pitching staff to become the outfield, where you every year go into the season saying, we got to see what this guy is. Like, we, we don't know. We want to find out. And I feel like we're getting close to that point with Ponce, with Gomber, with all of the guys that are coming up now, Libator. They've got a lot of big-time arms coming through this system, which is a good problem to have. But much like the outfield, eventually there's only so many spots in that rotation. So I want to know, is Gomber going to be in the rotation moving forward? Let's find out. Is he a guy that can be one of your five starters for the next four or five years? 
Let's see. Let's see what that looks like. Ponce, yeah. can he be a guy that's in there? Let's find out. And if they can't, okay, now at least we know. Let's get them a few cycles through this rotation. Maybe Ponce is just a three-inning guy. He's a long reliever. Okay, now at least we know that. But I want to find out with those guys what you have with them so you're not stuck with a Tyler O'Neill, Lane Thomas, Harrison Bader situation of, well, we think that maybe we can build around them. We're not really sure. And now you're going into every season with a Dylan Carlson that's stuck down in AAA because you need to find out what these other guys can do for you right now in the bigs. Yeah, the way that I look at it, too, and I, I think that's a great way to look at it, I feel like doing it that way with Ponce and with Gomber, it doesn't hurt you either. I mean, th- these are good options that you have. You still have pieces that you can mix and match. I, the, the thing I am interested about, too, and we talked about this on the show yesterday, and we had Will Carroll on the show, the, the injury expert, uh, and just talking about, like, after 10 days off and with all the start and stops, like, how are you going to keep these guys safe? Chances are you're going to be piggybacking guys anyhow. Whether you want to call it a piggyback or not, you're going to have starters going less yeah. innings. You're going to have other guys throwing two behind it. Maybe it's it's 5-2-2 two, two is how you end up getting through nine there's going to be creativity is going to be the key here but there's plenty of opportunity with all of these players out there uh whether it be the pitching staff or or at uh, third base at shortstop bouncing around behind the plate opportunity is there now let's just hope wins are too bt what's coming up today on the fast line we're gonna talk about the cardinals the cardinals are coming back baby life is good we're gonna get an opportunity to talk to somebody i don't know if you guys get this very often but we have alex ferrario on the show today alex oh, wow. who's that today. guy well he is sorry about that. No, he's fantastic. I'm he's kind of a big great. deal. He is kind of a big deal. He fits in really well. We're going to talk uh, to Steve Selby, who calls the games for the Memphis Redbirds. We're going to break down a little Andrew Kisner. He's seen a lot of him. So a lot of baseball, a lot of hockey, a lot of sports, man. Life is still okay. And BK's safe. We're I'm healthy. We're good. We're back. That's coming up from 2 to 6. We'll be back tomorrow at 11 o'clock from 11 to 2 right here on 101 ESPN. You have been listening to the Ribs and BK Podcast on 101 ESPN.